Hi, everyone. Welcome. Oh, so exciting today. <laughs> you really picked some topics. <laughs> Jesus is like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go for it then. If, if everybody's going to pick topics like that, then uh, why not go down the rabbit hole <laughs> all the way? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get any deeper than this. You know, I, I'm glad you're all joining me because uh, once we start talking about today's themes, these are beyond the beyond in terms of this world. There is nothing in earthly spirituality or even religion that comes close to what we're going to explore today. So, so uh, sometimes people have said during certain movies, uh, they have had mystical experiences. It actually wouldn't surprise me today if you had to last your last motion had to be turn off your camera because you started your eyes started to dilate a little bit and you you were like oh sorry guys i i i need to go into the light here i'm <laughs> i apologize for not watching the movie which is good that would actually be a really good uh, experience <laughs> to have a mystical experience why not so um how we got to this point <laughs> right now, this, this moment right now, uh, here we have about 66 people from around the world, uh, plus uh, people joining in centers uh, in different parts of the world as well. So we're all going down the rabbit hole. And, uh, and the themes that you voted on for this week, coming in number one on the themes is seeing I'm the dreamer of the dream. Okay, that is, as our friend Kenneth Clifford goes, that's that's prima, that's the best. <laughs> there is, he's not interested in any other theme. <laughs> that's, that's the only theme he's interested in. <laughs> so that is, that is the deepest experience that you could have because the only other experience other than that would be knowing yourself as the Christ living in heaven with God. <laughs> so, and that's, that's not our choice. Uh, that, that, it says God will take the final step. So, so as far as the steps that you can take in your mind, here's the highest, uh, highest rung on the ladder. Seeing I'm the dreamer of the dream. And then coming in, uh, a few votes, maybe five votes less, was having unwavering faith. Love is my destiny. Wow, you can really put your heart into that. Unwavering faith. Love is my destiny. Because that's not a destiny in form. That is, is giving your heart over and saying, God, you are my destiny. You are the goal I seek. You are everything to me. There is nothing that I would want more than to know you. And I desire to remember my creator. And I will use everything in my heart's desire to know the experience of you, to remember God. It doesn't get any higher than that, that there is no higher goal. In fact, I would say as you go deeper into this thing, you know, you start, you'll start to see God is, 
God is the only goal, and goal is not even a, a very good word for it. You might say, God is my desire. I desire to know who I am, and I desire to know my creator. Coming in third was being undisturbed by doubt thoughts. Undisturbed by doubt thoughts. Let them come. <laughs> Let them arise, but not giving faith to them. Uh, I remember there was a spiritual master was basically saying, if, if, a, if a doubt thought comes to your front door, uh, then, okay, let him in your house and show him out the back door. <laughs> You're not going to be having tea <laughs> with, the, with the doubt thoughts. You're not going to be having dinner. Oh, oh, hello, uh, come, come here, and you can go right out the back door here, and I'll be on with my happy day. <laughs> so that's another one you voted for. Then release the belief in lack and sacrifice. I think everybody who goes deep on the spiritual journey has to face this idea that there's some sacrifice involved or some lack. But it can't really be a sacrifice to know who you really are, and it can't be a sacrifice to know the Creator. If you were created as perfect love, it can't be a sacrifice to remember that perfect love. I'm sorry, you don't have to give up anything real. Sacrifice is the belief that you have to give up something real to know who you are or to know God, and that's not the case. I have to say in my journey, it has been a very, very joyful journey, and it just intensifies. The joy, the glee, the happiness intensifies, it becomes more consistent, and it is not a pathway of sacrifice whatsoever. You do not have to give up anything real. You simply have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit show you the reality of spirit and the unreality of time and space. So when we look at the things called possessions, or attachments, or control, or worldly power, worldly fame, uh, worldly achievement, worldly success, uh, I can tell you it's, it's a joy to let these things go. <laughs> if any of you think it's, it's gonna be a problem, Oh no, it's not a problem to let go of these, because these are the, the beliefs that, that and self-concepts that block you from knowing the light and the love of eternal, eternal truth. So these things are not sacrifices in the least. And so we're here to release the belief in lack and sacrifice. And then finally, let go of the illusion of choice in form. Wow, who wants to join me in that one? I think that sounds kind of blissful. I think that sounds like grace <laughs> to me, let go of the belief <laughs> of a, the illusion of choice in form. Because what Jesus teaches us in the Course is he's saying, you know, these choices in form, you know, you're not to ignore them, but you, you are to start to realize that if you join with the Holy Spirit, and you make your choices with the Holy Spirit, it will unwind you from the ego and unwind you from the belief in time and space. It will unwind you from the self-concept. 
let the ego make. So it's not saying ignore them, it's just saying, why don't you just decide to wake up in the morning and be prayerful and say, I will make no decisions by myself today. <laughs> I'm yours, Lord. Let's make them together. <laughs> if I've got to face something, let's face it together. Because I know if I really do that, I'll know that you're with me and I'm with you. And there's nothing to get huff about, as the Beatles said in Strawberry Fields Forever. Or like Shakespeare said, uh, he titled one of his plays, Much Ado About Nothing. Wow, that is no small state of mind to be able to look at this world and have a big smile on your face and a gentle laughter and go, ha ha, much ado about nothing. And that would include all events in time and space, all the wars, all the seeming good things, all the, all the disease, all the, the hurricanes and tsunamis and plagues and viruses and everything. Yeah, much ado about nothing. And all the good things. Let's throw them all in there. All the, all the tulips, all the hummingbirds. But take them all. Lord, I would rather have the vision of Christ than see a hummingbird. I would rather have the vision of Christ, the vision that my creator gave me in my creation, than leave my attention on perceptions of form. I would rather know my eternal home, everlasting life, than the things of form. So we're here today to join in, in these beautiful teachings. Now, what we're going to use today, it's always interesting when you come up with the themes, because I always just look at the themes and I go, okay, Jesus, I, I have no clue <laughs> what you want to do with this, but I know you're going to have some fun. And Jesus is like, oh yeah, I'm going to have some fun. All right. I'm going to have a lot of fun. And so Jesus comes in. First of all, he says, there's not a movie really on the planet right now that that can really do justice to these themes. So, so that ruled out all the movies, even though it's a movie workshop. But thankfully, Star Trek comes to the rescue. That's right. Jesus says, we can pull in a couple Star Trek episodes and oh, well, we'll take this one all the way with Star Trek. We got to thank Gene Roddenberry. You know, he's the inventor of Star Trek. We, Gene, great job. You did a great job. I have to say, now Jesus is going to take a couple of your, your inventions and he's going to go a little bit further. He's going to go beyond where no man has ever gone before because Jesus is saying, when you go towards the dreamer of the dream position, you're not talking about a man or a woman. Oh, this is not going through time and space, looking through the galaxies for meaning. We're going beyond the wormholes. We're going, oh, oh, beyond the black holes. We're going beyond the celestial realms of time and space. And believe me, they seem to be what is called in the course a vast illusion, even though it's kind of funny to put that word vast in front of the word illusion. <laughs> a vast nothing. <laughs> That's what this uh, cosmos of time and space is. It's just a vast nothing. <laughs> It's still Shakespeare got it right. We got to give it to Shakespeare. Much ado about nothing. He was onto it. 
So Star Trek, uh, everybody remembers the original Star Trek, Captain Kirk and Spock. And then we had uh, Patrick Stewart, you know, uh, coming in great with the next generation. And then maybe after about seven years of next generation, then the next the third generation of Star Trek came in, and that was created by Rick Berman and Michael Filler and Jerry Taylor, and it was called uh, Star Trek Voyager. So both of Jesus's selections, and I mean the Star Trek, uh, it's it's more than an anthology. It's just it's, it's a it's a culture. Are you all Trekkies? Is it, do we have any Trekkies in? <laughs> We've got Trekkies in the house today. So this is for the Trekkies. This is the third generation called Star Trek Voyager, where, ah, yes, we have a female captain. That's good. Captain Janeway, strong as they come, a female captain, Kept the captain of the Voyager. And then um, she's got a commanding officer, uh, Chakotay, who will be playing prominently in our first uh, Star Trek episode today. He's, of course, he's in the second one, too. He's the, he's the commanding officer right under Captain Janeway. And basically, these two Star Trek episodes I have used uh, over the years. In fact, I have to say, honestly, I've used many Star Trek episodes it, where some where some movies dare not go, Star Trek will go. <laughs> where, where some movies dare not go, Star Trek will take you there. So you're going to enjoy this because once we get into the realm of dreams and dreaming, we are going way beyond personhood. If you are struggling every day with personal issues, if you're struggling with interpersonal issues, if you're struggling with environmental issues, if you're struggling with what you see on the news or on the internet, those are the preliminaries. That's the preschool to take you into the mind. And we have to, again, we thank all the great philosophers uh, and all the great psychologists and all the great uh, saints and avatars because uh, anyone who's taking you in a voyage into your mind is taking you toward the, I'll call it the mind of God. Christ is an idea in the mind of God. And that's what we want. We don't want to know the human mind. You know, we're not interested. In fact, Jesus says the ego enjoys studying itself. <laughs> so I have to say much of psychology and much of psychiatry is studying the error, you know, and certainly we even have to take our hats off for people who even attempt to go into the mind. Because for people like Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, they, they helped make us a little more aware that there's this unconscious mind that uh, Carl Jung called the shadow. Is it important? Uh, actually, yes, the exposing and the releasing of the unconscious mind is actually the most important thing you ever do. Uh, so it doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter what, what roles you have. All you're really doing every day 
every moment of every day is giving yourself a chance to allow the unconscious mind to come up to awareness. Why is that important? Because it's repressed. That's where that's what repressed and denial means. It means pushed out of awareness. I mean, when you look at all of history, it's not like there's a, not, a lot of stuff written in the overall context of all of time and space and history. You know, we're not hearing a lot of talk about the, the shadow. We see the effects of the shadow. <laughs> we, see, we see what's on Plato's cave wall on, on a daily basis. We're, we're watching the news, we're watching Plato's cave wall, but for most, you can say they're unaware that they're just chained and in prison in their mind and that there's puppeteers, the egos puppeting, and there's dark thoughts and doubt thoughts that are producing the projected world. So if you don't like what's going on in Ukraine, I would say this is a great opportunity to look at the unconscious mind. Whenever we perceive a war, we have to look at the unconscious mind because the unconscious mind is what Jesus would call the war against yourself. And he does say, he's very positive, he says the war against yourself is almost over. In fact, for Jesus, it is over. <laughs> he's, just, he's just hanging around uh, with some words for us to give us a few pep talks <laughs> to do what he's already accomplished. So you don't really have any reason to have anxiety or worry because uh, Jesus is a symbol that it's already handled. In fact, it wasn't Jesus the man that handled it. It was the Holy Spirit who handled the belief in separation the instant it arose. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow. How long did it take you? Not, not even one second. Not even a fraction, a, a, a hundredth, a millionth of a second simultaneously. Oh, the Holy Spirit is fast. Handled the ego in simultaneously. And now we're just learning how to accept the correction. That's what the Course in Miracles is, accepting the atonement, accepting the correction. So basically, that's what we're going to be doing today with both of these episodes. The first episode is, is called Waking Moments. And the second episode is called The Thaw. And uh, some of you um, have, have been with me when I have done these. Uh, I actually have done the thaw uh, many times in different countries, in different cultures. I've done the thaw because uh, that is probably one of the most concise and practical episodes that's showing you the whole context of waking up from the dream. The first time I came upon the thaw, I was actually doing uh, I was at a course group up in Detroit, Michigan, and somebody after the group came up to me, they were all fired up and they go, David, there's a new Star Trek episode and it's A Course in Miracles. The whole episode is, is like the teachings of the course. And I said, okay, I'll have to check it out. What's it called? The Thaw. So you're going to, that was many years ago, but you're going to receive the benefit of that little tip I had from a Course in Miracles student who, like many of the movies and episodes I use, these are Course students and teachers that tip me off. And then I 
show them over and over and use them as teaching devices and then experience the joy of just extending the parable. And uh, these are two wonderful parables. I think we could say that escape from the ego and escape from time and space is just comes down to forgiveness. Really, all we're here to do is to forgive the world. We're not here to figure out the world. We're definitely not here to analyze the world. We're not here to try to draw a conclusion because the world's a projection. Why would we put our sincerity of waking up from the dream into analyzing the projection or trying to evaluate or judge or figure out the projection when the projection is the veil that was meant to keep us asleep. The projection of time and space is the veil that the ego generated to keep you from knowing who you are. So the next time you're concerned about something in the world, remember, <laughs> it's a veil that was projected by the ego to keep you from knowing who you are. Now, the, the Holy Spirit can use anything that the ego made, so the Holy Spirit uses the projection. The, to the whole Holy Spirit, the world's the world is just symbols. Uh, these are just neutral symbols that the Holy Spirit can use to take us to the leaping off point of the dreamer of the dream. That's why I said you might have a mystical experience today, because if you really want it, there's nothing the ego can do to stop you from having it. <laughs> if you want it, here it is, come and get it. <laughs> It's right now. <laughs> and we're all viewing the, the beautiful parables to, with the prayer in our heart to, to experience the expansive love of God. So I think um, basically there's these two episodes. Um, what, are, what are we going to experience right now? Well, first of all, <clears throat> Jesus said he wanted a music video to go first before the Star Trek. I said, okay, what a what a day. You're going to use a music video? He said, yeah, just to get you in the mood. I, a little mood music, you know, Jesus is so playable. A little mood, mood music to get you in it. And this is, a, this is anybody remember the Eurythmics? <laughs> Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to disagree? <laughs> well, that's what Jesus, Jesus likes it too. He's a, he's a Eurythmics fan. So he's got a Eurythmics song, the famous one, Sweet Dreams. And then and the visuals of it are the movie Tron. Has anybody seen the movie Tron? This movie is in my Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment. I have to say, it's one of the best, one of the all-time classics, because it's about dealing with a computer-generated world in which everything is made up, and that is the projection of the world is all based on false power, control, competition. <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. I think I... I fall into this deep mystical state whenever I watch Tron. So he's going to have the images of the movie Tron and the arrhythmic song, Sweet Dreams, <laughs> the, made of these, who am I to disagree? He's going to put those two together just to put us in the mood. That's the warm-up band. 
that's just the warm-up band for the concert. <laughs> we all like a good warm-up band too. We, we like to be in the mood. So that's to soften us up a little bit. You know, we're going to get some Eurythmics movie, music to soften us up. And then we're going to move into the first of the two, waking moments. Now, I'll give you a, a little bit of a, a hint about what, what these two episodes are showing. And I'm showing them in this order because, um, because we need all the clues we can get if we're going to wake up from this dream of time and space. So waking moments, the big insight we'll find from the first Star Trek episode, Waking Moments, is that all dreaming, we're all dreaming the same dream. There, there are not multiple dreams. People have said, well, we've got, what is it, 7.8 billion different people, and there's a lot of nighttime dreams going on. No, there's not. There's not a lot of dreams going on. It's an identical dream. We're all dreaming an identical dream of separation. So it's not multiple. If you believe there's multiple dreams going on, that's confusing. If anyone teaches you there's multiple dreams, that's going to be confusing. You're going to be confused. You're going to go, you're going to be scratching your head. What a mess. 7.8 million billion different dreams. And how am I supposed to get out of that, that uh, labyrinth? That's not even if you consider the cats and the dogs and the caterpillars and the butterflies. Some people are saying, don't butterflies have, have their own dreams? No, there's all dreams are identical. And that's the, the great benefit of waking moments. It's going to Take us through a little skit, a little scenario with Captain Janeway and Chakotay and, and the crew. And we're going into an experience that all of the dreams are identical. There's really only one dream. You can't really experience that you're the dreamer of the dream until you first come to an experience that they're all the same. That's why you don't have a different dream going on than Vladimir Putin. You don't have a different dream going on than Donald Trump. You don't have a different dream than Mussolini or Osama bin Laden. Uh, you don't have a different dream from Adolf Hitler. You don't have a different dream from Saddam Hussein. It's the same dream. <laughs> Whenever you're tempted <laughs> to think somebody else needs to wake up, <laughs> Jesus is gently smiling in your mind going, there's just one dream. <laughs> I'm asking you to join me in seeing the dream as it is, as the Holy Spirit sees it. And then you can wake up. Then you're ready to wake up. But if you keep projecting, even metaphysically, onto these teachers that don't have it yet, or these people that don't have it, or these religions that don't have it, the Ku Klux Klan, same dream. <laughs> Secret police, the Gestapo, Kremlin, same dream. Stop blaming the projections. There's only one dream. And that's what will help you, of course, to come into the experience that I'm the dreamer of the dream. How else are you going to be happy? How else are you going to bring happiness to all the world except through your, the power of your mind and the, the light in your mind that God gave you?
the light that is Jesus Christ, the light that is the Holy Spirit. So, whoa, that's why we're going where no movie has ever gone. Woo, waking moments. It's all the same dream. Whoa, that is enormous. That's an enormous realization. Okay, another thing that's part of waking moments is some of you have heard in, in psychology, the field of psychology, and also in many different cultures, ancient cultures, but lucid dreaming. Has anybody ever heard of lucid dreaming? That's just that, that you're aware that you're dreaming. You know, we a lot of us have had that experience. We're dreaming, it's a nighttime dream seemingly, or it can even be during the day. I think I, I might have had, when I was in university, I think I was in the back of a giant auditorium one time and the, and the lecture was going on and on and I was twiddling around with my pen and doing whatever, probably, probably uh, dancing inside my mind to sweet dreams are made of these, <laughs> you know, something. I don't think I was paying attention, but I think I had a moment like, wow, this is like a dream and, and I'm, I'm dreaming all this. You know, that's that's amazing. Darren, you talked about some of those experiences where you looked around the room, yeah. The, the, the walls, the people, yeah, the photos. So that is, that's two aspects. That's just during the first uh, Star Trek episode. Keep your mind open to there's only one dream. There's only one dream. Every It's all one dream and lucid dreaming that I can be aware that it's a dream. I have the capability, actually the destiny, <laughs> to be aware that it's all just a dream. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. The world is but a dream. <laughs> and life is eternal. So that's important to know. Now, some of you would probably like to have a good setup from Jesus in the course. And um, basically, I, I tried to look for a little snippet from the course that kind of described the unconscious mind, because we have not been aware of it. Everything that we consider dark or evil or bad energy is the unconscious mind. It's, it's just out of awareness. So we call it bad energy. We call it, we got the evil look. We call it uh, evil people or evil things, but uh, there is nothing good or bad under the Son of God. The, the Christ mind is pure light. So what seems to be positive things in the world and negative things, we could say positive things in the world are but light shadows. And when you perceive negative things in the world, you're in dark shadows. <laughs> you, you are in the realm of dark shadows if you perceive negative things in the world. You know, if, if somebody is talking to me and a Christian is talking to me and they're saying, David, hell is real, the devil is real, evil is real, I'm, I'm just smiling because I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, dark shadows. Definitely dark shadows there. The devil. Dark shadows, dark shadows. And then when they talk about how beautiful everything is in the world and 
oh, it's so great, and I can manifest anything, and I can have all the money in the world, and I can have all, I can get a soulmate, I can, I can manifest anything I want. Those are light shadows. <laughs> so, and Jesus is saying, please come with me and be with me and God in heaven. The Christ and God are in heaven, and we are pure light. We are not shadows of any kind. We are eternity. We are I amness. We are infinite presence. We are infinite pure love and light. And we don't have anything to do with shadows. But the Holy Spirit is really good at taking us from dark shadows to light shadows to happy dream. You can't wake up from this world without a happy dream first. And that's that's definitely light shadows. <laughs> don't think there's anything special there. Shakespeare's phrase, much ado about nothing, applies to the light shadows as well as to the dark shadows, because shadows are shadows. And, and God is not a shadow, I'll tell you. And God is not unconscious at all. So here's a little paragraph from A Course in Miracles that gives you a taste of the unconscious mind. It's, it's basically says, a brother separated from yourself an ancient enemy, a murderer who stalks you in the night and plots your death, yet plans that it be lingering and slow. All of this you dream. Yet underneath the dream is yet another in which you become the murderer, the secret enemy, the scavenger and the destroyer of your brother and the world alike. Here is the cause of suffering, the space between your little dreams and your reality. The little gap you do not even see, the birthplace of illusions and of fear, the time of terror and of ancient hate, the instant of disaster, all are there. All in this tiny little gap, so the unconscious mind is this little teeny, teeny, teeny little black spot. <laughs> In fact, you can't see it from eternity because it doesn't exist. <laughs> you wouldn't even be able to spot it from eternity. But in terms of this world, there's just a tiny little gap, which is the time of terror. And the ego is this little gap. It's a little dark spot. You know, you go... If you go to a radiologist and they find a little dark spot on your lung, people go, ooh, cancer. No, no, this is, this is not cancer. This is the tiny little dark spot that is the inventor of all illusions. <laughs> it's a tiny little gap. It's smaller than that little spot on the radiation scan. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a bare, it's in infinitesimal tiny thing. So... Basically, I'm telling you that because it's not like it's not like you should be terrified of facing the unconscious mind. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf, the big bad wolf, the big bad wolf? Who's afraid of the little ego? Come on, we're 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 going to, into advancement here. We're going towards dreamer of the dream. We're not going to be scared off by a little speck that's that's out of we can't even see it. <laughs> It's so tiny. It's it's so tiny. It doesn't have any re reality or existence because God didn't create it. So that is how insignificant this uh, this little gap is. 
But Jesus is also telling us this. He says, you are the dreamer of the world of dreams. No other cause it has, nor ever will. Nothing more fearful than an idle dream has terrified God's son and made him think that he has lost his innocence, denied his father, and made war upon himself. So there it is. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Jesus is saying, you are the dreamer of the world of dreams. He's giving it to us straight. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not trying to embellish it. He's not trying to minimize it. He's just saying straight. This is straight. You are the dreamer of the world of dreams. He's just teaching what he learned. He's teaching what he learned when he woke up. So fearful is the dream, so seeming real, he could not waken to reality without the sweat of terror and a scream of mortal fear unless a gentler dream preceded his awakening and allowed his calmer mind to welcome, not to fear, the voice that calls with love to waken him. A gentler dream in which his suffering was healed and where his brother was his friend. God willed he wakened gently and with joy and gave him means to waken without fear. Wow, what gratitude we have. God gave us the means through the Holy Spirit to waken gently and without fear. Everybody knows if you try to wake up from a nightmare, and you don't wake up gently, you wake up with a cold sweat and a scream. <laughs> or maybe somebody else is waking you up in the middle of it. Initially, you might be relieved, but you're still sweating, <laughs> which shows that the content of your mind that you still believed in the nightmare. But Jesus is saying, no, come with me. The Holy Spirit will help you gently wake up from this dream, gently. And, and you, it simply comes down to listen and follow. The workbook lesson I've been quoting from sometime I will today is called, I will step back and let him lead the way. And that's, that's where the gentleness comes in. When you let the Holy Spirit go before you and you follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that's where the gentleness comes. It doesn't come from trying to be a hero. It doesn't come from trying to be a, a, an activist. It doesn't come from trying to take a stand against somebody. It comes from listening and following the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the honest truth. That's the way. So what Jesus says, he says the Holy Spirit is offering you the happy dream or what he calls the real world. And this is a state of mind that that is very, it basically looks on the world in a clueless way. It the world looks very surreal from the Holy Spirit's perspective. He tells us in the Course that the real world is nothing like the world you perceive. There are no streets that need lights to light them. There are no stores to buy endless things that you have no need of at all. Uh, you know, using money that you have to go and do senseless things for, only to buy more senseless things. He's, talking, he's making fun of commerce and stores. <laughs> he's making fun of cities. He's making fun of, of, of the human condition. 
And Jesus can honestly, gently make fun of the human condition because he knows it's not true. He knows none of it's true. So that's why he can make fun of it. It's a gentle humor. This is not put down humor. This is not, this is not harsh humor. This is gentle humor. Here's what Jesus says, talking about the Holy Spirit. Accept the dream he gave instead of yours. It is not difficult to change a dream when once the dreamer has been recognized. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Now we know why it's so important, the topic for the day. He says, it is not difficult to change a dream when once the dreamer has been recognized. Rest in the Holy Spirit and allow his gentle dreams to take the place of those you dreamed in terror and in fear of death. He brings forgiving dreams in which the choice is not who is the murderer and who shall be the victim. In the dreams he brings, the Holy Spirit, there is no murder and there is no death. The dream of guilt is fading from your sight, although your eyes are closed. A smile has come to lighten up your sleeping face. The sleep is peaceful now, for these are happy dreams. This is Jesus Christ. He's like singing to us. He's like, he's like singing us, a, a, not a lullaby, but a wake-up a wake up lullaby. <laughs> he's, he's not trying to put us to sleep. He's, he's waking us up in the softest way possible. So here's a paragraph too that Jesus, just remember this, I, this paragraph has saved me hundreds of times. The minute I, I really have a thought that, that is a doubt thought about anything in this world or about any brother and sister. This is what Jesus really comes into my mind with. This is, this is how soft he rinses me. This is, this is for all of us. Dream softly of your sinless brother who unites with you in holy innocence. And from this dream, the Lord of heaven will himself waken his beloved son. Dream of your brother's kindnesses instead of dwelling in your dreams on his mistakes. Select his thoughtfulness to dream about instead of counting up the hurts he gave. Forgive him his illusions and give thanks to him for all the helpfulness he gave. And do not brush aside his many gifts because he is not perfect in your dreams. He represents his father, whom you see as offering both life and death to you. So basically, every time we meet a brother or a sister, or we even think of them, if we're not experiencing the joy and the gratitude of all the gifts that were offered to us through this brother, all the, the encouragements, and the kindnesses and softness of this sister, if we're not in full appreciation when we're thinking about a brother or sister, then we think the same of God. If you think a brother or a sister harmed you, you think God harmed you. If you think you were ignored or rejected or discarded of a brother or sister, you believe that about God. 
If you believe you were rejected or abandoned, you believe that about God. And believe me, God is not the abandoner here. God is, is pure love, and God didn't leave anybody anywhere because God didn't create the body. So God's not leaving anybody <laughs> dangling around anywhere in time and space. God is just calling us home to spirit, to pure love. And God isn't the abandoner or the rejecter. That's just the ego beliefs in abandonment and rejection. God didn't create abandonment and rejection. That would be ridiculous. The world is an illusion. Those who chose choose to come to it are seeking for a place where they can be illusions and avoid their own reality. Yet when they find their own reality is even here, then they step back and let it lead the way. What other choice is really theirs to make? To let illusions walk ahead of truth is madness, but to let illusions sink behind the truth and let the truth stand forth is what it is, is merely sanity. So basically, as you start to teach and learn this, and you really start to give your mind permission to see that you're the dreamer of the dream, you will be dreaming softly, you will be dreaming gently, you will be dreaming happily. And also, it will be a sense that the body's importance in your mind's awareness will diminish it will start to shrink and shrink and shrink. Because that little gap, that little speck of nothingness made the body. And then by identifying with the body, you put your identity into something that is, is pointless. I mean, Jesus says, certainly what the body is made of is not valuable. It's not gonna last forever. It's, it's very, very temporary. To think that your identity is that temporary is a very, gross distortion of your true identity. You know, the body's just here and it's gone. It's like, it's like the dust. It's like the dust. Don't, don't invest in the dust. <laughs> That's what I've been talking about lately. What people are saying, what do I invest in? Invest in the spirit and take your investments away from the dust. <laughs> Let's not be fooling around with the dust too long because we really don't need to put much attention toward it. Now, here's a good one. This, this one will apply to both episodes today. And I'm gonna, I found it, I was digging, Jesus had me finding all kinds of things. Here's a good one from the workbook. Many have chosen to renounce the world while still believing its reality. And they have suffered from a sense of loss and have not been released accordingly. Others have chosen nothing but the world, and they have suffered from a sense of loss still deeper, which they did not understand. So this, these are two categories. One is to, to say the world's an illusion, to just say the words the world's an illusion, and yet your attitude doesn't seem to reflect the happiness that that awareness would bring. So if you just say the words, the world's an illusion, but you're not happy, Jesus is saying, no, you've, you've, you've renounced the world in words, but you still believe in it because you're not happy. <laughs> if Look at the Beatitudes in the Bible. If you're not in those Beatitudes, then, then you can say the words, I renounce. 
and you can put on robes and cloths and all kinds of things, and you can bathe in holy rivers. You can go to the, the Ganga River and bathe in the holy river here and the holy river there. You can get the holy blessings and the holy water. Listen, Jesus is not interested in, in all these holy rituals. He's interested in holiness, which is who you are, which is your reality. And that's why he's saying many have chosen to renounce the world while still believing its reality. There's a later part I had to, to dig it out. I had to dig it out. There were so many good ones here, but here was one. You cannot escape from the ego by humbling it or controlling it or punishing it. <laughs> you want to humble the ego? Impossible. It's a death wish. You're not going, Jesus says, don't even try <laughs> to humble the ego because you're trying to humble a death wish. You know, the Holy Spirit knows the ego is not real. That's that's the way to go. Go with the Holy Spirit. Don't try to escape from the ego by humbling it or controlling it or punishing it. the the ego The ego's unreality is not denied by words. Ooh, isn't that a good one? The ego's unreality is not denied by words. Oh, he's sending us toward the dreamer of the dream because he knows we want it. But he knows that just to say the ego is an illusion, you know, is not going to do it. I know there's a lot of well-meaning Course in Miracles students and teachers who sometimes when confronted by traditional Christians and they say, what is this crazy course? It says the devil's not real. It says that sin isn't real. It, it, it says that evil isn't real. And the, the course student and teacher will, will try to say, yes, that's correct. <laughs> and, and usually there's a big uh, calamity that happens <laughs> after, after those words. Jesus is saying, no, your state of mind, your, your gentleness, your kind, sweet eyes, your sweet, soft smile, your gentle presence, the I am presence is how you teach this course. It's, and if you just say the ego is not real, or if you go into a, a Christian church and, and you say the devil's not real, Jesus is saying, remember, the ego is not denied by words. Just if you think you're going to get to heaven by spouting metaphysics, you need, you need to have peace of mind. <laughs> you, you need to have a happy heart. You need to have gleeful eyes in order to experience the kingdom of heaven. Don't try to do it through the words. Here's another one. No one can escape from illusions unless he looks at them, for not looking is the way they are protected. So if you look at all the teachings I've shared these last 36 years, or the books, or the videos, or the audios, it's all about unveiling and exposing the ego not by trying to, to do something in form to escape it and not even thinking I have to say the right words. Even if you say the right words, if you're not happy in your heart, Jesus is just smiling and shaking his head <laughs> going, no, no, that's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is a gospel of love. The gospel is a gospel of non-judgment. The gospel is accepting your brothers and sisters as they truly are. 
So he's basically telling us, lay off the Christians. And while you're at it, lay off the Hindus. And while you're at it, lay off the Buddhists. And let's lay off the atheists. Come on. He's saying to us, let's lay off the atheists. You know, religion, theology is not the truth. Theology is like a little trampoline that you bounce on for a while and hopefully bounce off. <laughs> hopefully you leave your theology behind and you have a simple, happy heart. And that's all Jesus is, is asking us for. He's not asking us to be scholars or theologians. He's not asking us to be psychologists, philosophers. He just wants us to be happy. Even Helen Schuckman, he told Helen Schuckman at the end, I love you. She was concerned about the book, whether she did a good enough job. And Jesus is like, ah, oh, I love you. <laughs> Those three words, that's the whole thing right there. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for the book. And I love you. <laughs> that's good. So I think that's a pretty good start. Um, I think we're going to let the we're going to let Star Trek show us the way. So thank you all. I love you. I'm so grateful that we can share this deep dive together. We're going down the rabbit hole. See you soon. I'll pop in during the episodes. Okay, there's our start. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting with the, the crew members are having disturbing dreams. Has anybody here uh, ever had a disturbing dream? <laughs> okay. You know, that's the perfect way to start for us, right? We can everybody can relate to the crew members here because they're having disturbing dreams. Dreams and and Harry Kim was having, he thought it was like a sexual fantasy with Seven there, and all of a sudden there's this alien face there. And the same with all of them. They have, Tuvok is having a no clothes on dream, embarrassing, disturbing dream, and then the alien appears. So there's a face that appears in all the dreams of the disturbing. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's okay, that's a good start, but how does that relate to me? Well, some of you have disturbing days, <laughs> and those are disturbing daydreams. I see Antonio's there. We were working on a Jesus movie. The, there's a lot of people not giving us good feedback about doing a modern-day Jesus movie with the words of A Course in Miracles. Is that surprising? Well, I don't think that's that surprising, but but what it is, is some of you say, well, be, give me a good, something. what can I relate to? Some of you watch the news and you're having Vladimir Putin dreams. <laughs> it doesn't have to look like an alien, but you're, you're having dreams and you watch the news and you see Vladimir Putin and you go, ah, ooh. <laughs> just like they did. And and a lot of you are having the same dream. I, some of you are all talking about the Vladimir dream. <laughs> and I'm saying, wait a minute, what does that have to do with the forgiveness? We have to go a lot deeper than uh, Vladimir Putin and, and an invasion or whatever it's called of, uh, of Ukraine. So this is what's happening. This is the first step is they're aware that 
they've just woken up from dreams. They were, they were nightmares and they have a central figure. And it starts with that. But it seems like they all were having different dreams, right? They all had different, the form of the dreams is different, but there was a dream symbol in all of them that they were afraid of. And this is not so different than planet Earth right now. <laughs> you know, there's, there's 7.8 billion and they're having dreams and there seems to be a dream figure. And come on, let's be honest, this isn't the first time this has happened. There was Mussolini and Osama bin Laden and the, you know, Saddam Hussein and Adolf Hitler and Tilla the Hun. Uh, there was Napoleon. There was, you know, we could go on and on. Let's, let's not think this is strange. This has been going on for millennium, that people seem to have separate disturbing dreams and they seem to have some common symbols occasionally where they, they, they believe, oh, this is the bad guy, right? Okay, so let's, let's that'll help us today in, in reaching the dreamer of the dream perspective to realize Let's be honest about this. Uh, we need to find out what is really disturbing because I don't think it's the characters that are disturbing us. I think it's much deeper. I think we're going to have to go into the unconscious mind that uh, Carl Jung called the shadow if we're going to escape this discomfort. So this is why it's so important. And that's what it's showing us in this opening scene. Okay. Here we go, back to the Star Trek. Okay, so this is another little clue. <clears throat> we can see that uh, the, the crew of the Voyager are having nightmares, and then some of the crew are, are not waking up from the nightmares. So sickbay is now starting to fill up with sleepers. When the doctor was just asked about what, what are the medical conditions after running all the tests, he says he's clueless. And the medical model, doctors, nurses, everything that we consider the health care professionals of this world, they don't really understand sickness. Because sickness is not of the body, I would say that all illness, like Jesus says, is mental illness. And, and the reason that there's mental illness is a sleeping mind. That is the definition of illness, is to be asleep and forget your creator and forget your true identity and come into nowhere land, which is what this world is. It's nowhere land. Does anybody ever remember the Beatles did a song? Now we're still in musical mode. He's a real nowhere man, living in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. That's it. That's the problem. The Beatles hit it. All you need is love, and this world is a nowhere land. Why is it nowhere? Because God didn't create it, and God is reality. So if, if it's not spirit, if it's not eternal love and oneness, it isn't. And if you believe it is something, then that's a problem. That's called sleep. 
So the human race, and as well as all of time and space, the problem is, is believing in separation, believing the ego, which God did not create. And it starts in amnesia, where you forget God and you perceive what isn't there. You know, that's why when you get to some of those workbook lessons where you shake, you scratch your head, like when you get to the workbook lesson, what I see is a form of vengeance. And you say, okay, I have no clue what you're talking about, but <laughs> I'm going to do the lesson. Jesus is trying to convey that you're perceiving nothing. And in order to perceive nothing, you have to have a, a vengeful mind. And that means a mind that believes in the ego. So when the doctor uh, is asked by Captain Janeway, what's going on? What have you found out? The doctor said, well, I ran all the tests, but he said, I don't know. He's simply asleep. When a doctor <laughs> comes down and can give you nothing about causation in the world and just say, he's simply asleep. That's the Holy Spirit coming through the doctor. He's simply asleep. Now, in the world of human beings, the human condition, we think of sleep as a natural thing. We, we think of sleep as natural. We think of eating as natural. We think of working as natural. We think of sexuality as natural. And basically, Jesus is saying, well, no, he does say in the Course that the only natural thing in this world is the, the desire to know God. That's Jesus's definition of natural. <laughs> the only natural thing in the world is to know God. So you can see here, the doctor's basically saying, I have no reason, I can't tell you why he's, he's simply asleep. And everybody knows from watching Star Trek or watching this world, that there's always the perception of external enemies. In Star Trek, instead of just exploring the Earth, like Jacques Cousteau, instead of just exploring, exploring the, uh, our moon, like uh, Neil Armstrong, Star Trek explores the galaxies. Instead of the Russians and the Chinese and the Americans and the British, it's the Klingons and the Romulans. <laughs> And, and the Borg, you see, it's still species, but now the species are spread out all over the cosmos. <laughs> it's, that's, it's a little broader perspective there, but still, it's the same thing. There's the idea of external enemies. It's still the survival of the body. It's still defense shields up. It's still phasers, and, and it's still attack and defense. So we're getting a bigger perspective here that Jesus is saying, yes, that's right. The entire cosmos is attack and defense. It's a reflection, it's a projection of attack and defense, which is what the ego is. It's a false identity. And what's underneath the ego is there's an amnesia. There's a first you have to forget God before you can make up the ego. First you have to forget Christ your true identity before you can make up the ego. Before you can even have a real world or a happy dream with the Holy Spirit, the, 
prior to that, there has to be a belief that you separated from God, and now you somehow have to wake up from this mesmerism of time and space, you see? So this waking moments, is, it's really showing us, because now Captain Janeway and all of them have identified that they're having nightmares. They don't know what the cause is, but they seem to be pinning it on an alien. That's their Putin. That's their, that's their Putin. You know, they've, they've got to pin it on something because the world teaches us there has to be an external enemy, right? So, you know, it's like the Pogo, there was a Pogo uh, comic strip and it said, we have met the enemy and it is usin. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> Leave it to the comic strips to tell us what's going on. <laughs> the comic books can, can tell us uh, the deep wisdom. So, so now, we see that sleep is something that if you just see it on a daily basis, it seems to the, to the world and the ego like it's a natural thing. But when people don't wake up, we have a word, we call that coma. <laughs> that is not a nice word. How's your wife? Oh, she's in a coma. <laughs> you know, that, that's not a generally positive thing. <laughs> is she going to be at the card game tonight? No, she's in a coma. <laughs> she's not. She's not responding. <laughs> and to Jesus, this is funny. But Jesus knows that it's not our reality. That's why it's funny. You know that only Jesus can laugh at a coma <laughs> because Jesus knows it's not real. It's he's like, oh, oh my God, all these variations of nothing. <laughs> but to Earthlings, the coma is a big deal. So. So now we are going to start to realize that what comes next in Star Trek is that they have to start to come to the awareness that something in their mind or their psyche is, is the problem. And you see how important that is when you're tempted to believe you have achy muscles or you're tempted to believe in a stiff neck, or you're tempted to believe in uh, being malnourished or something, Jesus is saying, no, actually, I want you to come in with me and start to realize that, that we have to deal with your mind, with your psyche, because the enemy you perceive is not an external enemy. It's, it's believing in the ego. That's, that's what the enemy, that's the enemy of truth, the enemy of of eternal life is the belief in death. And that's what the ego is, it's a death wish. And so that death wish is the issue that we're dealing. That's why when I tell people, when you go on the spiritual journey, you're going on the most important journey of your life. Whatever you seem to journey in this world as a body will not compare at all to how important this is. This is about waking up to eternal life and forgiving the world, and this is, this is the most important thing in the overall picture. And that's why Jesus is calling miracle workers. That's why Jesus is calling teachers of God. That's why you're being trained right now, right here, to be a teacher of God, because this is so important. This is so very important in the overall context of things. So here we go. Harry is asleep, and he doesn't seem to be waking up. And there's others that are in sickbay. So instead of 
Instead of having wounds, sick bay is filled with sleepers. And I should mention that the doctor in this uh, Star Trek Voyager, the doctor is like Data was in Next Generation. This is an android. So yay for the computer people. <laughs> the robot is supposed to diagnose what's wrong <laughs> with the people. And he says, he's simply asleep. <laughs> the robot concludes he's simply asleep. No medical explanation offered. Now that's a humble doctor. Of course, that's an android. But I, I, you got to like that. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't mind it to have an android like that. <laughs> an android that helps me wake up. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay, here we go. Back to the adventure. Okay. Yeah, this is no Star Trek like you've seen before. This is not the Klingons or the Romulans or even the Borg. Now they've encountered the sleeping species. <laughs> and, and the sleeping species is not happy because they're believing that, that the waking species are out to get them. Jesus is having a good laugh with this because, again, you see the duality of this that, that the, the waking species and the sleeping species, Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's another projection. You can't have a waking species and a sleeping species. Everyone who perceives themselves in form, perceives the world of form, is asleep and dreaming equally. In fact, Jesus says our nighttime dreams and our daily life are the same. He says, all your time is spent in dreaming. So Jesus is not a big fan of duality. He's not a big fan of um, what people call the real world of, in real life in the world, daily life and sleeping dreams. And he's, you know, the sleep experts would say, well, at nighttime, you've got rapid eye movement. Well, it's the same. Even during the day, when you're kissing your lover, when you're having that food and everything, you've got some major distortions going on because Dreams are dreams are dreams. Sweet dreams are made of these. <laughs> Who am I to disagree? And we know what she was singing about in Eurythmics. Some of them want to use you, some, some of them want to be used by you. You know, we know what she was singing about. That's the dreams of this world are the dreams of duality. And that's a projection. Remember, that's a veil to keep you from knowing who you are. So the abuse is not in the form. The victimization is not in the form. The mistreatment is never in the form. It's in believing that you're separate from God and dreaming a world of unreality. That's the problem. That's why Jesus says all uh, illness is mental illness. There's no such thing as physical illness. You know, there's a, there's a quote in the Course where Jesus he basically says, awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. For most Course in Miracles teachers and students, if you ask them, what is your purpose? They will tell you forgiveness, right? Everybody's like, forgiveness, of course, forgiveness, forgiveness. But what about this quote from the Course? Awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. He's asking you to be a lucid dreamer. That's your function. That's what forgiveness is, is to be a lucid dreamer. They watch 
the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die. Yet they are not deceived by what they see. They recognize that to behold a dream figure as sick and separate is no more real than to regard it as healthy and beautiful. Unity alone is not a thing of dreams. And it is this God's teachers acknowledge as behind the dream, beyond all seeming and yet surely theirs. That's from the manual from, for teachers of A Course in Miracles. That's very profound. That's Jesus laying it out, saying awareness of dreaming is your function. So whatever you think is so important in the world is not really that important compared to the function of lucid dreaming or awareness of dreaming. To train your mind, like Jacote, he come from the Native American tradition, and he and his forefathers had, had practiced dream work. And the dream work was to go into lucid states, lucid dreaming states. That's a, that's. That's spirituality, that's Native American spirituality, to go into the mind, go into the dream states, and then ultimately to find the source. But to do that, you have to come to the unity of the dreamer of the dream. You have to be aware that you're dreaming. Now, this is truly the practical application of the Course. The Course is not about trying to achieve outcomes in form. The Course is joining with Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be aware that you're dreaming. Because when you're aware that you're dreaming, you can be defenseless. Then you can be meek. Then you can be gentle. Then you can be kind <laughs> when you're the dreamer of the dream. But as long as you identify with the body, you're going to feel defensive, irritated, angry. You're, you're going to feel hatred. You're going to feel rage. You're going to feel a bunch of unnatural emotions that come from a body identification. So this is a big, big step. And Jacoti now is coming back and he's going to report what he heard, which is just a symbol because um, Janeway trust uh, what, this is seems to be the best uh, intel, the best feedback that she's getting that now she realizes at least she believes him that there is something going on with this alien and that Chakotay is going to say, we better follow what the alien says uh, if we're going to be safe. Now, I would, I think we all know it's better to follow the Holy Spirit. You don't want to be follow aliens, <laughs> especially ones with angry faces that, that knock, that come and grab you. <laughs> That's not exactly uh, a spiritual uh, symbol. So this, they're going through the same steps that we go through. You know, everyone goes through the steps where they want to believe in something that's helpful. I don't recommend aliens, but uh, I think the best alien uh, advisor is E.T. Uh, phone home. <laughs> or maybe Yoda. If any of you really insist on having an alien advisor, I would follow Yoda from Star Wars. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I don't think the one here is at, on the same level as Yoda, though. <laughs> I think <laughs> Janeway has no other choice but to trust. But anyway, I, I don't think this is Yoda. 
<laughs> behind this right now. Okay, here we go. <laughs> well, we got a beautiful little bonus in here on private thoughts. <laughs> the doctor said, tell me about your nightmares. And so he started to explain his um, sexual fantasy and seven walks in and uh, he shut down. That's why Jesus talks about you have to expose everything because the thoughts that you keep hidden, you must believe that they're real. You keep them hidden because you feel shame and embarrassment around certain thoughts and other thoughts you don't feel shame and embarrassment about and then you can talk about those. I see Angelica and Wesley, there they are. It's the dating game. 10 points for Wesley and Angie for succeeding in making it past the ego's distractions. They're still in the game. <laughs> They're still in the game. <laughs> because that was a bonus. Jesus has given us like a little three minute bonus there. Like, oh, and by the way, uh, the, the thoughts that you want to hide from the Holy Spirit are the ones that you need to release to the Holy Spirit. And one of those ways of releasing them is to be transparent, as we've learned. So that's why, but we can see Janeway still, she, she wants to succeed in her mission to bring her crew back to Earth. And she wants to succeed in safe, safely bringing them back to Earth. So for her, she was happy to hear about the sleeping people, happy to hear that sleeping people have said, you here, go here and leave us alone and let us continue to sleep. The only thing with Jesus is he will never leave you alone as long as you're still sleeping and dreaming you're a person. He, he's going to be with you until you wake up to the Christ awareness. So he's not interested in safely helping a crew escape the sleeping people because he knows there are no sleeping people. It's a sleeping mind. That's the problem, you see? Sleep, human sleep is not the problem. It's the sleeping mind that's the sleep. A lot of spiritual teachers will even say, you don't, don't have a mind or don't listen to the mind. These are, you know, once you start to get into A Course in Miracles, this is the master. Jesus Christ is the, the transcendent one. So he can tell you all about the mind, consciousness. He can tell you all about what's, sleep seems to be, and he can expose the ego completely because he already escaped the ego. <laughs> and the rest is more hearsay. <laughs> You're getting little bits and pieces here and there, but Jesus, is, he knows what he's talking about here. So now they're trying to do the right thing, you know, like the Spike Lee movie. They're trying to do the right thing, like, let's get out of here because we don't want to mess with the sleeping people <laughs> because they, they like their life in form and they're trying to escape the sleeping people here. But as Jesus will show us, there is no escape until you go into the unconscious mind, you face your own beliefs and you release the ego. There is no escape in time and space. You only escape the ego by facing it, exposing it, and giving it to the Holy Spirit, releasing it, seeing that it's not real, it's not true. That's, that's where freedom comes, true freedom comes. 
So here we go. We get to follow the crew. Janeway's doing the best she can here, but she thinks she's going to outrun the sleeping people and slip past them uh, and leave them sleeping. <laughs> and she doesn't know what, what that even means, but she's trying to keep her crew intact, which is what she's, she believes is her, her function. <laughs> okay, all right. It's getting a little more interesting now. Now this is, this is why you cannot handle the ego on a physical plane. <laughs> you know, you, if you think you're going to take the ego on by, by just gliding past it with your spaceship, <laughs> no. This is a little puff of nothingness, but I've said before, this is an ingenious puff of nothingness. <laughs> it's an ingenious, it's, it's, it's got its own strange ideas as a death wish. And, and it's basically saying not so fast, like uh, you think you can escape in physical terms. And this last scene is showing no way the ego just comes on and says, ah, tricked you, and now I'm taking over your ship. <laughs> and this is how it feels for the mind that's identified with the ego. It, it, the mind feels very vulnerable. It feels very uh, afraid of the ego because the ego seems to use the power of the mind in such a deceptive and treacherous way. And that's why we need the careful instruction of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to realize, you know, that, that this isn't real. There's, there is a, a line in the Course, which I think I might have read to you, but many have chosen to renounce the world while still believing its reality. And they have suffered from a sense of loss and have not been released accordingly. So, so this shows you that your practice is not ultimately a practice only of words. It starts with the words. That's why we have A Course in Miracles. That's why each lesson has words. It's because the Holy Spirit is using what the ego made, which is words, which he calls symbols of symbols twice removed from reality. He's using what the ego made to take us into deeper prayerful states. But it's through prayer that we reach God. It's not through words. Even our initial prayers may involve words, and then they may involve thoughts, but in the end, it's God knows the prayer of our heart, our desire to be one with God, to be, to be like God in spirit, to be, to be the Christ. God knows the, the prayer of the heart. So at this point, our next big discovery is going to again be the reminder that this is a dream. Even through everything we've seen with the episode right now, I have to say it still comes back to row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 the world is but a dream. The, the most helpful thing that can be done is not trying to escape in form, but to have a prayer of your heart to remember that it's a dream. And then once we start to get deeper into that, then we're starting to get ready for the, the atonement, the correction. But until we maintain that awareness of dreaming, that lucid dream state, you might say the ego is still seems to be in charge. 
Yeah, because that's what the projected world is. That if you're still facing what seems to be external problems, that just means that your mind still hasn't accepted that it's an internal problem. Just like when the television was invented in the United States, the television was invented, it was black and white television, and they started selling televisions. And then um, sometimes people would be ready to watch I Love Lucy or the show of shows uh, with Emma Jean Coco, and, they, and they'd sit down to watch their black and white television. And it fun, on the screen, it would start doing funny things. And people would start go up and, and, and turning the knobs on their televisions, the first televisions, and, and banging on them. I did that too. <laughs> bang on them. Adjust the antenna, bang on them. And then on the screen, it would come and it would say, a voice would say in the early televisions, black and white, it would say, the problem is not in your set. Please stand by. You see, that was Jesus having some fun with televisions too when they were first invented. The problem is not in your set. The problem is not your TV. <laughs> the problem was the broadcast, the signal thing, but Jesus knows that's not even the problem. The problem is believing in this world <laughs> is the, the problem. The problem is not the TV set or the broadcast. But you see, we have to take it step by step to start to realize how powerful our mind is how powerful our thoughts are, and we have to start to take responsibility for our state of mind. We have to realize that peace of mind is our responsibility. You know, that really is our responsibility. And we can't keep projecting it to the world and saying, the world upsets me, the news upsets me, my partner upsets me, the, the world uh, situation with war, that upsets me, or the world economic situation upsets me, the world food shortage upsets me. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, don't, don't put it off on the world. This, you are responsible for peace of mind and use the prayer of your heart to reach me, to find me. And I will join with you and meet you when you pray for that, that help, that connection. Okay, now let's see what the crew does. Because the crew, remember, is is here to show us we've got very high goals today. We've got to seeing that I'm the dreamer of the dream. We aren't there yet, but wow, that is a deep goal. You guys put the deepest goal, number one, and now we're just watching the crew to see, to try to learn from their mistakes, what they try and what does not work. <laughs> that's, that's how we learn. The, the crew is going to try to show us what doesn't work so that we can use what does work in our mind, the Holy Spirit. Okay, here we go. Let's pause. Oh, ho, ho, that's our first touchdown of the day. Oh, ho, ho. we've just gone light years. We've gone light years. It's the same dream. It's not different dreams. Oh, oh my God. Oh, that is huge. That is absolutely huge. Because if I hold on to that awareness that it's all the same dream, then 
I'm not going to be so tempted to project and to blame anybody else. I'm not going to blame any brother, any sister. I'm not going to blame the government. I'm not going to blame uh, COVID. I'm not going to blame anything and anyone. That is a huge piece of the puzzle. That is absolutely huge. You know, people argue about what's the correct interpretation of the Course. It's one dream. People argue about different interpretations of A Course in Miracles, different interpretations of, of Scripture, of Holy Scripture, of the Bhagavad Gita, of uh, the Tao. They argue about different interpretations of quantum physics. That one realization, it wipes all that out. If, if it's all one dream, you see how your mind's energy is freed up. You feel the strength of that awareness because that awareness will then allow you to take the next step. Like who's dreaming it? <laughs> if, it's, if it's only one dream, who is the dreamer of that dream? You see how important that is. And if people get into debates and arguments about, you know, I mean, when I traveled the world teaching the course, that was one of the things people would say to me when they kept, would, came up. They would look at me and they'd we have a big hug. They'd be smiling, looking in my eyes, and they would say, am I dreaming you or are you dreaming me? Aha! Uh -huh. You see the assumption of that question is that there's multiple dreams. <laughs> that somehow David has a different dream than whoever. But people don't have dreams. People are part of the one dream. So are the mountains. Joy to the fishies in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. Da, da, da. You see how important this is. Because what it does is it, it takes away the multiple projections <laughs> And you start to realize maybe what I'm projecting is part of my mind. Maybe if it's all one dream, maybe, maybe I am the dreamer of the dream. Maybe, maybe the observed and the observer is not different. Maybe the subject and the object is not different. Maybe the, the, the dreamer and the dreamed is all together and it's just one dream. This is what Jesus is teaching us. You ask for it, you wanted to go down the rabbit hole. He's saying, let's go all the way now. Let's go. And we're, we're not even through the first episode here. He's got so much more. But I mean, this, this is a huge <laughs> realization. And what Jesus is saying is we can't go further until you accept this. <laughs> See, where we're going today is to free your mind from the ego. And if you're going to be free of the ego, then you have to, you have to be willing to take that step. So who's in with me? One dream. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> this is surreal. <laughs> okay, here we go. Now let's watch our crew. 
because they believe there's a problem. They believe, they believe that their ship has been overtaken by the sleeping people. Let's just see how they deal with it, you know, because we're seeing with Chakotay that it's all one dream. It's just, they're all identical. They're all dreaming the same dream. It's just one dream. Okay, it's exciting. Here we go. Let's see what they do. <laughs> uh, no, Chakotay, no. Go back to your ancestors. Get off the damn ship. Go back and take your medicine with the, in the, your Native Americans. Go on, go dreamwalking with them. You don't go looking for the source <laughs> of the problem somewhere in time and space. You know, this is where we, we say to Jacote, you need a course in miracles. You need Jesus or go back to your ancestors and uh, find the medicine man, you know, <laughs> but go back to the lucid dreaming. <laughs> don't, don't. Don't get off into the analytical mind of looking for external uh, problems, external dreamers. Where are they hiding? In the mind. Where should we be looking? In the mind. Jesus tells us in the Course, you are mind, holy mind, purely mind. <laughs> he, he says, he says when, when the body is part of your self-concept, the mind is gone from your self-concept. And when the mind is part of your self-concept, the body is gone. You, you can be in the mind of God. You can be in the divine mind of love and light, and there is no body. Or you can perceive yourself in a body, and then everybody's debating, is there a God? <laughs> is, is there such a thing as love? You see, from the body per world perspective, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a can of worms, it's an amnesia. But from the perspective of, of one dream, you can feel how relaxed, don't you feel? You might feel at the end of this, you want to be like Tuvok, go take off your clothes and run around your kitchen or something and have some fun because, because you're so happy that, that it's a dream and you're the dreamer that, that you can let go of, of the ego. Let go that ego, <laughs> let go that ego. Okay, it gets better. Now, let's, I like to see how is Janeway gonna handle this? Cause Janeway is, she's a smart captain and she doesn't like to mess around with uh, attackers but she has to come to a different view. <laughs> uh, uh, she has to let go of her captainhood if she's gonna be the Christ. So let's just see how this uh, plays out now. <laughs> Maybe we're not. <laughs> Neelix, they say that doesn't explain how we're interacting with one another. And then Neelix says, maybe we're not. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus is having more fun than we could imagine because he's inserting into Star Trek that basically now he's inserted the idea that people aren't really interacting. You're just dreaming <laughs> that the people are interacting. <laughs> It, you're dreaming that people have minds of their own, thoughts of their own, words of their own, and they have interactions. So he's now he's going after everything. This is why 
This is his answer to the dreamer of the dream. He's saying like lesson number one, nothing I see means anything. He, he literally means that. He's not just speaking figuratively, he's speaking literally. So maybe we could, we could have the tech team roll it back a little bit. This exchange is got to be one of the best filmed exchanges in the history of the human race the absolute history of the human race. You, they'd never have a sequence like this in a movie. <laughs> this, this is pure Star Trek. <laughs> so we're, we'll go back to the beginning of this so you can enjoy it because this is where the philosophy has to end. This is where the debate has to end. This is where the, the, the constant uh, pondering of metaphysics and religions and spirituality, it has to end at this point. And Janeway and her crew, who we saw from, from this, when Jakoti moved out of that realm, he basically, he basically came into this experience that it's all one dream, which he lost right away when he went searching, <laughs> searching for him. But he had a miracle. He he saw that it was one dream. And now the crew is there, and they're trying to come to that same moment of release, that same moment of healing. Let's rejoice in the miracle. <laughs> they, they actually came to the same thing. We're all dreaming the same dream in a different way, without any scientific evidence, <laughs> like the doctor showed. They actually just felt it. Perhaps we're all dreaming the same dream, which is a close enough approximation that there's one dream. And that is so rare. You know, it's such a miraculous state of mind when you, when you even get a glimpse of that state of mind. You are on the verge of enlightenment. You are on the verge of awakening from the dream. It's not a matter of how many yoga positions you do or how many hours a day a body meditates, seems to meditate. It's not a matter of what you do uh, in the world or don't do in the world. It's an awareness. It's a state of mind that is available this instant and every single instant. Talk about simplifying spirituality. This Jesus is doing that today. He's collapsing what seems to be thousands of years for us. He's, he's like saying, let me, let me in, show you. Come and see what I see. Come and feel what I feel. Come and feel the release of the guilt. Feel the release of the fear, the release of the pain. Start to really open up and feel the release because that's what this is. And we're still on the first episode. We haven't even got to the second episode. He's just, he's pulling out all the guns. <laughs> <laughs> the awakening guns, <laughs> uh, dispelling the ego, dispelling the, the, the darkness of the ego here. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. <laughs> Janeway, yes, yes. Captain Janeway, she is not fooled by the dream. She's going back into an exploding warp core. <laughs> because why? She listened to Jesus. What does Jesus say? Make your invulnerability manifest. 
Janeway is showing real strength in mind now. She is not going for it. She says something's wrong. <laughs> she is something wrong. There's something that's, that's tempting her to believe that she's in danger and she chooses instead to believe that she's not in danger. Oh my. And, and basically her two, uh, her two crew, crew members are saying, you're going to die. You're going to die. You know, that's basically as she goes through the door, that's the, the last words that she hears from her crew is you're going to die. Okay, let's see what happens. Let's see some miracles in action here. Captain Janeway is putting Jesus into action. <laughs> this is so good. This is showing you all the temptations. First, the aliens show up and they, they say, what about your bodies? What about your bodies? They're not getting enough nutrition. <laughs> you know, oh, you think this is a dream. What about your bodies? You know, you see how the ego is pretty sneaky here. Even if you're on the cusp of enlightenment, the ego will say, what about your bodies? You see, it's going to always try to scare you with the body identification. And Jesus is always trying to teach us to be aligned and identify with our spirit, which is invulnerable, which can't be killed. It doesn't die. It's eternal, you see? So this is our question as we go into our mind. Do I identify with the spiritual reality, my true reality as God created me, or do I identify with the body? That's the temptation. So two of our uh, guide, our themes were releasing the belief in lack and sacrifice and be undisturbed by doubt thoughts. All body thoughts are part of our doubt thoughts. The good body thoughts and the bad thought body thoughts are, are all doubt thoughts. They're always one dream. And those are those identifying with those thoughts are not helpful. That's where the mind training, that's why it's called a course in mind training. It's not a course in behavior modification. It's not a course in making the world a better place. It's a course in escaping from the belief in linear time and space, escaping from the belief in competition, scarcity, lack, war, all disease. You know, it's, it's escaping from everything that the ego made to keep us asleep. So Janeway was right when she said, um, it's we have to take control of the dream. It's she was she was half right. What Jesus is saying, you have no control over the world you made, but you can control the direction of your thinking. And there's only two directions. One is the ego and one is the Holy Spirit. And you can control the direction of your thinking. That's what mind training is, is learning to think only with God. My mind holds only what I think with God is a workbook lesson. You see, he's tapping us into training our minds to line up with the Holy Spirit. And then we experience that we're invulnerable. When we're with the Holy Spirit, we are invulnerable. Literally, there's nothing that can touch us because we are lining up with our spiritual reality. We are lining up with the comforter uh, that the Bible talked about. So. You can see Janeway, she's starting 
she's really enjoying this power that she's feeling. But but when she's walking down the hall and she pulls out her big gun, you know, Jesus is laughing again. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not, we're not going to uh, escape with a big gun here. And even the power of manifesting, it's, it, it's a good stepping stone, but actually you have to forgive. Beyond manifesting is, is, is learning to forgive the world. And it's the same with um, Jacoti. You know, he's, he, he was sure, he believed that he would find where the sleeping people lived. I told him he should, he should have gone back to the medicine man and lucid dreaming then. <laughs> That's the wrong direction. <laughs> going around and then he took the medicine and he was going to try to be the hero now and and give his medicine to one of the sleeping people it's a nice idea but but once again may i emphasize that guns and medicine are not are not the truth that will set you free you know they're part of the the ego's projection to try to make a substitute for true healing, which is which is of the mind, spiritual recognition. Mary Baker Eddy, why we might as well bring Mary Baker Eddy in here. She's loving it. She's with us right now. She's smiling. She, I told you so. There's no mind in matter. There's no life, truth, substance, or intelligence in matter. Now there's a, the highest Trekkie. <laughs> That's above your commander, above your captain range. Mary Baker Eddy is soaring. She's up there in the ethers with the angels saying, yes, just join with me. Remember, no mind and matter, no life, truth, substance, intelligence and matter. That's how the sick are healed by the recognition that comes from truth, uh, that how powerful the mind is. And the light is the strength. Light and joy and strength are mine, not not strength based on muscles, not strength based on military, not strength based on even skills, learning skills in the world. Jizitsu, no, the light is power than, more powerful than jizitsu. <laughs> Karate, judo, martial arts, that's right. Those are just symbols that you can use to train your mind. But be more like Bruce Lee. Go for the Bruce Lee state of mind. Don't try to, to be the conqueror of bodies, but go for the mind training. The ancients always went for the higher training of the mind. Okay, let's see where it goes. This Remember, the crew's doing the best that they can, but they, they've already delivered our big, big insights to us. There's only one dream, and it's all one dream. They've, they've done their job already, but we're just watching. Now they're showing us, don't do like we do. Don't get distracted. After you have this realization, stay with it. Don't get distracted by the ego, because the ego is quite clever at coming up with distractions, you know, to try to, to draw your mind away from the realization. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. So I like that. Even the end gives us a little bit of a lesson. Because what the crew went through in coming to this idea that there's just one dream and that it's, it's, it's overcome through lucid dreaming, through awareness of dreaming, that they have given us two huge insights. And at the end, uh, they were having trouble sleeping. 
Have any of you ever had trouble sleeping after you've had some huge happiness and, and insights and you're so thrilled that you can't sleep at night? <laughs> yeah, that's just because your, your mind's starting to take the insights in. That, that waking up is your, your goal and you're not as concerned. So I would say if any of you have trouble sleeping at night, just join with Jesus and pray and say, use me. It's 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning. Is there somebody you want me to write to? Is there something you would have me do? Someone you would have me pray for? But uh, we're starting to realize that uh, insomnia, that's just another dream word. <laughs> <laughs> because everything of this world is a, is a dream. So, so the sleeping continues until you experience the happy dream or the real world, and then it still continues, but in a happy way. And that means you're very close to, to waking up. So that was the first one. I hope you enjoyed that. that. If that's the appetizer, wait till you come to the main meal. <laughs> Jesus gave you lots of appetizers, but there's actually much, much more. And that is the practicalities of how do you deal with the ego? How do you directly allow its darkness to come up? And how do you deal with it without trying to attack it, without trying to punish it, without trying to even humble it? How do you see the ego for the nothingness that it really is? Because the ego always wants you to believe it's something real, that that tiny little gap that's underneath in the unconscious mind, the ego wants you to believe in the reality of that gap. So without further ado, here we go to the main course. <laughs> now we go into the main course. And again, it will be Captain Janeway and uh, Chakoti. And this time, uh, Balana and Harry, Harry Kim uh, will have featured uh, featured roles in this in this waking up uh, episode, but uh, of course Jacote and Captain Janeway are there too. Get ready for the all time classic Star Trek: uh, the attempt to wake up from this dream by watching how Janeway and Belana Torres and uh, Harry Kim deal with. Fear. How do you deal with the fear is a central question in your practice of mind training with A Course in Miracles. So here we go. Get ready. <laughs> Enjoy. Okay. What a good start we have. We have a another unusual mission for Captain Janeway and their crew, they've encountered a planet there where there was a planetary disaster and a population of 400,000 or so is gone. And now they have uh, found some metabolic activity and some uh, like biometric signatures showing what would seem to be life that is beneath the surface. Now, 
how does that relate to you and me? How does that relate to, to our world? Well, you know, some people said we've had some planetary disasters over the many, many centuries uh, with planet Earth, but actually we're, we're talking about the mind. The disaster of the mind is believing in the ego. That's the disaster. When you believe in the ego, you put yourself asleep and you believe what's not true. So that's that's a major disaster uh, in terms of, uh, not in reality, but in terms of awareness. You take your awareness and you take it away from expansive love and light, truth, reality, eternal reality, and then you believe in the ego in its time-space projection and, and the body. You see, now that that is the disaster. So what Jesus is telling us here, just like the, the people on this planet, Biorsa, uh, they, they basically, the, the messenger is saying, um, we've, we put ourselves to sleep or hibernation to wait out a, a disaster, a planetary disaster from a solar flare and all the radiation and everything. And we're going to come out of it but please do not interrupt our uh, recovery. Uh, and what happens is we could say that when, this, when the mind falls asleep and believes in time and space, uh, it's in the same position. It's gone into hibernation. <laughs> it's gone into uh, not reality at all. It's pseudo-reality. It's, it's make-believe. This, this world is fiction. Uh, Jesus calls this world of time and space an impossible situation. He also tells us that it's backwards and upside down. That's why it seems to take so long to wake up from it, because the mind has, has believed in the ego, which has elaborately defended against the Holy Spirit and elaborately defended against God with many, many, many distractions attachments, possessions, false learnings, uh, intellectualism, um, and fight or flight, uh, the things that psychology teaches us, it, it's all based on an ego system of, of believing in separation from God. So what's interesting here is, is Janeway is very curious. So she's, she's beaming the pods aboard of of what seems to be the survivors. And um, she's gonna get more than, than she imagined because she's going to also beam aboard the, the uh, computer system which generates the artificial reality. <laughs> she's, she's trying to bring, bring the people there that are, that are in need of, she feels knowing that you can come, come out, come out. The, the planetary disaster is over, but uh, Jesus is going to bring in the idea that no, when you're asleep and dreaming of an artificial world, you need more help than rescuing a few people. <laughs> Your mind is in great need of help for, for releasing the ego. 
because the ego has generated an artificial world of people, of countries, of competition, of, uh, of false ideas, of, of success. Uh, it's, it's generated an entire environment of falsity to keep you asleep and dreaming. That is the purpose why the world was made, made by the ego, who made the body and the world to keep you from knowing who you are. And in this case, Janeway thinks she's going to help rescue the, uh, the ones who have, have put themselves to sleep. And she's going to do it very thoroughly. She's going to really examine the whole thing. And we're going to see that again, her lesson in this, which she's showing all of us, is how do you deal with fear? That is the key question. How do you deal with fear? Even in our last episode, Neelix said, uh, I'm having trouble sleeping, but I get really frightened uh, when I wake up that, uh, that, I that I won't be able to wake up. And that's the ego's fear of, of God. God would be waking, God would be reality, and the belief that you have to sacrifice something or give up something to wake up is the ego's belief. Uh, there's a beautiful line in the Course that's it's pretty rare, and I'll, I'll mention it to you now, but Jesus says, the ego likes the idea of return to God because it can make it so difficult. So you see how deep this goes. The ego likes the idea of return to God, but Jesus is in the presence of knowing you could never leave God. <laughs> so if you believe in the return, the ego is going to use the concept to make it extremely difficult. It will pack all of its distractions, all of its defenses into this idea of return. That's very deep, you know, to think that, that even the idea of return to God is, is a construct of the ego because, because the ego made the separation. The ego made the, is the belief in separation and Jesus is saying it's curious that, that, the, that the children of God believe that they have to wake up. You see, that's all part of the belief in separation, the belief that you've, you've separated. And, and yet Jesus knows from his own experience, he's teaching us that, that you can't wake yourself. You can only allow yourself to be awakened. That's why we're joining together in the way we do with our prayers to the Holy Spirit and Jesus to guide us, because he's telling us you cannot wake yourself, you can allow yourself to be awakened. And this is what Janeway uh, will have to do and the crew in this episode, because they're going to get much more than they think uh, when they bring those five pods uh, when they beam those five pods and they think they're trying to rescue uh, people that have put themselves asleep, but they're going to realize they have to begin to face their own fears in order to uh, 
find a peace and a freedom. Okay, here we go. Bring on the pods. <laughs> okay, now we're really getting into some good stuff. <laughs> they put themselves to sleep voluntarily. They gave themselves, were given an escape hatch. The, the escape hatch is working perfectly. <laughs> Does this start to sound familiar <laughs> to what we're talking about with the Holy Spirit? Uh, oh yeah, the mind that believed in the ego, it, it put itself to sleep. God didn't put anyone to sleep. The angels didn't put anyone to sleep. To choose to desire to be separate from God and to choose to have an identity apart from the Christ, apart from spirit, is, we'll call it an insane belief and an insane decision. But the escape hatch was provided immediately by the Holy Spirit, simultaneously, and the good news is it is working. <laughs> there is no problem whatsoever with the escape hatch. <laughs> now, that means that if the escape hatch is working and you're not taking the escape hatch, you could only conclude that you must want the sleep. You must want the hibernation. You must want the fiction. You must want the fantasy more than reality, more than spiritual, eternal reality. You see how it goes. Some of you have watched my diagrams on uh, diagrams of the mind, and there's the outer ring is perception, and then underneath that is emotions, and then underneath that is thoughts, and underneath the thought is the beliefs, and then the core of the map of the mind is desire. And that's why Jesus says, you know, truth will be returned to your awareness by your desire, as it was lost to you by your desire for something else. You see, there's the deepest realm in the mind is, is our prayer. That's another word for desire is your prayer. So when I was growing up in uh, Christianity, you know, people would constantly, they would say to me, David, be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you pray for, because you might get it. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, that's exactly right. <laughs> you, what you pray for, what you desire is what you experience. And he says this all throughout the course. Lesson 152, the power of decision is my own. You can see it in many different places. He's saying is if you want separation, you will perceive a world of separation. But if you want only love, you will see only love. You will see nothing else if you want only love. If you want peace, you will experience peace. If you want something other than peace and peace, <laughs> you, you'll get conflicting uh, witnesses because your, your, your desire is not pure. You know, he said that in the Bible, blessed are the pure of heart, 
for they shall see God. He was basically saying, if you desire God, if you desire wholeness, if you desire your true identity, your completion, then that will be your experience. But if you have false desires, meaning you give your, your prayers to the ego and, and your faith and your belief to the ego, then you'll have emotions such as fear and guilt, shame, you know, on and on and on. And you'll get caught up in the, the ego's game of the world, which is the pleasure pain game. Uh, the ego tells us they're different, but actually Jesus tells us in the Course, it's in, impossible to seek for pleasure without finding pain. <laughs> Jesus, he's the master, he's through all these tricks of the ego and he realizes it's through purification that you come to know, to know God. So here we go. Um, the crew now is with Captain Janeway and they're kind of, um, they're trying to ponder what, what they're uh, perceiving here from a rational way. I think, uh, Wesley, you were asking me about rationality. Captain Janeway and her crew, they're very rational. They're, they're going to run through the whole gamut. Uh, because if these people put themselves to sleep, and if the escape hatch is working, and they're not using the escape hatch, then that's a question for the crew. Uh, how do we proceed uh, with people who seem to voluntarily want to sleep and, and dream? <laughs> for the mind, we'll say, the mind that voluntarily wants to sleep. And um, they're starting to ponder the ways. Uh, Neelix will have a very interesting response. I mean, I like to always hear what people's responses are. Um, uh, Tom Paris, who was in our last episode, he's going to have some interesting input and Neelix. I think Janeway is very, she's just throwing it out to the crew. Like, what are you, what are we dealing with here? And I think Pay attention to what Tom says and what uh, Neelix says in, in her little query, because they have some very insightful uh, uh, things to say. Okay, let's enjoy. <laughs> okay, before we uh, start to go into the artificial environment, we all have enough of that every day. <laughs> we're, we're dealing enough with the artificial environment, but I, I like to go back to the discussion that they were having because basically the question was, why aren't they waking themselves up? You know, that's the question. If if they're in stasis in their sleep and they and the uh, escape hatch, the escape route is working then the question is raised among the crew members, why aren't they waking themselves up? And I think you might have heard there, Tom Paris was the one who said, maybe they like it in there. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is really loving it. There was Tom. Jesus was speaking through Tom. <laughs> It wasn't, the crew didn't even pay attention. They, <laughs> they just moved on and dismissed the possibility that Tom said was, maybe they like it in there. Maybe they desire the artificial environment 
more than waking up. And then right away they come in with, you know, it, they start to ponder their, there's a heart attack and extreme prolonged Kess the is basically saying they no, they've actually got periods of prolonged stress. So let's look at those two things. They they've picking up prolonged stress in this artificial environment, and Tom is saying maybe they like it in there. Now you start to see what we're facing. Because the mystics and saints, when you think of the little flower, St. Teresa, when you look at St. Francis uh, of Assisi, when you look at Jesus and his apostles, when you look at the Essenes, when you look at uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, or, uh, you know, all of the the, the mystics and saints, this is what they were all showing us, is that when you want something from the world, when you value something from this world, you are valuing the sleep, as staying asleep. So that's why it's not a sacrifice to give up the things of this world, because the ego made this world. So when you let go of the ego, you're letting go of its projected world too. And if you look at the teachings of Jesus, you know, he was basically teaching everybody to forgive, to be peaceful, to be loving, to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God. He, he did not come to earth to establish an earthly kingdom. Uh, even though the apostles and other people tried to <laughs> A sponsor the idea of, of overthrowing Rome, of uh, chasing the Romans out of Galilee and so forth. Jesus really wasn't about that. He was here to give us the message that our kingdom is not of this world, and that we have a spiritual kingdom, and that we reach the spiritual kingdom by forgiving the past. And as we forgive the past, we release the future as well. So that's why he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's very close, but it's a state of mind. It's not, he says in the course, it's not a place. It's a state. It's a state of mind. It's a, it's a kingdomly, you know, it's a royal state because it's eternal. It's an eternal state of mind. And that's what reality is. So that was a very interesting discussion because when Tom said maybe they'd like it in there, uh, it was pretty much dismissed, like, who would like a heart attack? And then when Kess said uh, a sustained period of stress, you know, people were like, yeah, that can't be right. But actually, Tom, Tom was really right on. Uh, that's, that's why the mind holds on to the dream and holds on to sleeping is because the ego says, you want this. And why would the mind want to be asleep and, and having amnesia about God and, and heaven and the source? The ego comes in again and says, well, you did a terrible thing. The ego says, you separated from God. Now you can't go back. That God will, God will get you. God will punish you. But that's not the truth. 
God is not punishing anyone. God is just pure love. It's the attraction to the fiction. It's the attraction to guilt, Jesus tells us in the text. He, in three separate sections, first Jesus says, you're attracted to guilt. He has a whole subsection in, in the course called titled Attraction to Guilt. The following one after that is Attraction to Pain. And the following one after that is Attraction to Death. He's, he's using his course to teach us that while we value the ego and its projected world, we are saying we want that more than God. And he showed us the way to say, no, God is more important. The creator is more important. The kingdom of heaven is more important than anything of this world. And he told us to cast, cast off our cares, you know, to uh, take no thought for the morrow. He said, take no thought for the morrow. The day is sufficient with, with its troubles. Take no thought for tomorrow. That, what's he saying? He said, is he saying we shouldn't plan for tomorrow? That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, listen to my voice right here and now and follow the instructions and the guidance. And that's exactly what will release you from this ego belief. Take no thought for the morrow. Take no thought for what you should wear or what you should eat. Oh my gosh. Jesus is not, he's not among the fashion police. He's, he's, not, he's not so big on nutrition. He's, he's big on the present moment, <laughs> on the holy instant and listening to the guidance within and letting the guidance carry you, you know, as you go along. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all else shall be added. I will step back and let him lead the way is our answer. That's our, our inspired answer. Okay. Here we go. Now, they're going to enter the, the fictitious world, and I, I think you're going to see some parallels. There's, it looks like it's perpetual Halloween <laughs> with wearing masks. <laughs> and I'm not talking about COVID face mask here. I'm talking about the personality mask. <laughs> Persona is the Latin word that means mask. Personality derives from mask. And he's, we're not talking about a mask over your face. We're talking about the personality mask of pretending you're a person instead of the Christ that you were created as, you see? So the parallels are enormous, but, but the way it unfolds, it has huge teaching value for us in terms of our mind training. We learn a lot from every attempt to overcome fear because there is a way that will succeed in transcending fear, and there are lots of ways that will not succeed in, in, in transcending fear. What Jesus says is the only way to transcend fear is through mastery through love. And most of us have been raised with many other ways, egoic ways, to, to survive and to master fear. One of them is called working and earning and saving money. That actually is not a good way to master fear. <laughs> uh, another way could be just 
We could call it exercise. <laughs> Go right after all the important things. Earn money, buy insurance, exercise, eat the right foods, and of course, do the right things. But what are the right things? <laughs> what, what is it that we should be doing? Maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit for that. If the body's a communication device and nothing more, then maybe we need help in that. So basically, Jesus is saying the only way that we'll succeed in, in transcending the ego is mastery through love. When people go to Toastmasters, sometimes they try to overcome their fears of public speaking by public speaking. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus can use this. Uh, sometimes people have said, well, I have a fear of heights. I have a fear of heights, David. I said, well, what did you do? I went, I went skydiving. <laughs> they, they jumped out of planes to overcome. <laughs> you see, but this Jesus is still saying this is mastery through fear. You know, you, you have to forgive, you have to release the beliefs in your mind and the thoughts that are generating the fear. It's not the actions and the behavior of the body that will release you from the fear. It's from forgiveness inside and purifying your heart that you transcend the fear of the ego. So that's important to remember. That's kind of got context for us as we go into this uh, beautiful teaching device with Captain Janeway and her, her crew. Now we're just at the point where uh, Harry and Balana are now being sent in to the artificial environment. Um, and we've got a pretty good history too. Does anybody remember the, uh, the prophets in the Bible? Isaiah, John the Baptist. Uh, I mean, we, we even have some modern day uh, prophets. Let's talk about Mohandas K. Gandhi. Gandhi was a kind of a modern day prophet, right? Uh, and Martin Luther King, if we talk about the United States, that, that was a kind of a modern day prophet, right? Nonviolence, equality, Jesus. But what happened to Isaiah? What happened to John the Baptist? What happened to Gandhi? What happened to, to our beloved prophets? <laughs> what happened to Martin Luther King? Uh, you know, in an artificial environment, uh, the artificial environment is not so happy hearing about the truth. <laughs> uh, the artificial environment was made to deny the truth completely. So when the prophets come and they basically start speaking the truth, like John the Baptist said, repent, turn from your ways, turn to God. And he was beheaded. I see Pat Patricia's been giving us, she's got, he, he off with his head. <laughs> That's what happened to John the Baptist. And uh, we know with Gandhi and uh, Martin Luther King, they were shot, but, but basically uh, that's what happens to the prophets. Now, I wouldn't say Balana and Harry Kim are going in there like prophets, but they're going in on a rescue mission, right? <laughs> they're going in to help the people wake up. 
I think that's what Gandhi and Martin Luther King were doing too. It was part of a rescue mission to help the mind wake up from the fall from grace, the fall from grace. So here we go. We're going to see it all played out uh, in this episode as we see what it's like to believe that there's an external correction required. <laughs> that's outside of, uh, that's part of the artificial environment. It's a good one. All right. Now you start to see a little bit of the dynamics here that the ego has only one motive and that is to exist. It's a death wish. It wants to exist. It senses that there's something above it, but it doesn't know what that something is. And yeah, the light, the power of the mind is, is above it, but it doesn't know what that is. It just wants to exist as a separate entity. It has generated a, a world of masks, of, uh, of games, of, uh, of, basically delay maneuvers to get so caught up into the body in the body's world, the dream world, that, that the mind won't, uh, won't consider escaping. It won't consider what it truly is. It doesn't want the mind to wake up and remember it's, it's the Christ. So it's a very elaborate system to keep the mind asleep and dreaming. And it's all based on the ego's desire to exist. The mind is, Jesus says in the Course, the mind is very active and it's very, very powerful. And in truth, the mind never sleeps. In illusions, the mind seems to fall asleep and then it generates an entire world and cosmos that seems to be real. But in truth, that mind is very powerful and very active. And as you train your mind to be still and follow Jesus's instructions on how to be used as a miracle worker, you do prepare your mind for revelation. You prepare your mind for direct experience of the light. And that's what preceded my revelatory experiences. <clears throat> Preceding my first revelatory experience was a phase of listen and follow where I was just using A Course in Miracles like an oracle. I was waking up and just in prayer, use me, where would you have me go? What would you have me say? What would you have me do? I was, I was just in a place of surrender to be guided by Jesus. And Jesus says that, he says in the Course, under my guidance, um, you can be led to the revelatory experience. In other words, if you're so good with listen and follow with Jesus, then that prepares your mind to open to the light, to a direct experience of the light, because the miracles seem to reduce the fear, the fear of the light. You, the miracles are very natural. Uh, Jesus says miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something's gone wrong. So that's why he's encouraging being a miracle worker, being a teacher of God, because it opens your mind to the revelatory experience, and ultimately to a waking up to the dreamer of the dream experience. A revelatory experience is, is kind of getting a glimpse of the light, 
But Jesus is basically saying, even that glimpse is just a glimpse. We still have to do the mind training. We still have to get do all the miracles because the miracles wash away the fear in your mind. And you can't open fully to the light until you're ready. Uh, uh, several weeks ago, somebody from, it was a question from the mystery school. Uh, I was asked, you know, why during near-death experiences, why are people constantly sent back to earth uh, after they go through the tunnel and they experience the light? And I said, well, that's just, they're not, they're, they're still believing in a value in the world of time and the light's not sending them back. That's just a reflection of their own fear of waking. Uh, the light's not turning anybody away. It's the, it's the mind's fear, unconscious fear of waking up that generates the, the perceptual experience of even light beings uh, telling you you're not ready. You have to go back. It's because of the unconscious fear and the unconscious guilt. So in this... Uh, little scenario, we can see that um, that both Balana and Harry are, are pretty defiant, um, but also they, you know, Harry had his head in the guillotine <laughs> pretty quickly. Uh, the ego is not messing around with uh, anything that could threaten its existence. And so uh, Harry and Balana were both basically seen as threats to the ego's existence. So when Harry and Bel Harry basically says, you need to send a message to the outside world, basically the ego will do whatever it believes will preserve itself. So it, it's, it doesn't mind sacrificing in its own terms, uh, one person because it just wants to exist as a belief and yet the very belief is a death wish. So the ego projects out a world of sacrifice, a world of birth and death, where birth seems to be very important because it's the perpetuation of, of the, the linear species, and the death seems to be part of that world. So people say, well, that's part of what, what it means to be in the world. There's birth and death but both are part of a scheme to keep the mind asleep and dreaming and keep it unaware that it's the Christ, that it's perfect love. So it's a very ingenious scheme of duality that's designed to keep the mind from uni unity and union. Truly marriage is union, but that's union with God. Uh, that's, that's not like an earth marriage, that's a symbol, but it's the purpose and it's the forgiveness in the mind that frees the mind from this uh, artificial environment. But not until you let the Holy Spirit lead the way. There's a, a part uh, in the course, let's see if I can find it. It's basically about being used. And basically it's, let's see. Basically, it says, illusion still appears to cling to you that you may reach them. It's talking about 
being used to reach your brothers and sisters, which is really to reach yourself, your Christ self. Yet it has stepped back, meaning the illusion has stepped back, meaning you're not so focused on the body. You're focused on using the body as a communication device to smile, to laugh, to hug, to bring kind words of comfort and cheer, like Jesus did. You know, illusion has stepped back. There still seemed to be a body with Jesus, but his purpose was not to focus on the body or the past or future. He was letting it be used in the present moment to take himself back into that eternal state of mind. And ultimately, he did that while he was on earth. In fact, he, he unified and he realized that spirit was real before he even called the apostles. <laughs> he, he resurrected, the mind was resurrected even before he went on his public teaching mission. So when he was on his public teaching mission, he would say things like, before Abraham was, I am. And uh, no one comes to the Father but through me. And I and the Father are one. Those are not human, human ideas. Those are I am presence ideas. Those are eternal ideas. So what he says, and, and it is not illusion that they hear you speak of, nor illusion that you bring their eyes to look on and their minds to grasp, nor can the truth which walks ahead of you speak to them through illusions, for the road leads past illusion now, while on the way you call to them that they may follow you. All roads will lead to this one in the end, for sacrifice and deprivation are paths that lead nowhere, choices for defeat, and aims that will remain impossible. All this steps back as truth comes forth in you to lead your brothers from the ways of death and set them on the way to happiness. Wow, isn't that a great purpose for your life? To set all the captives free, to speak of the eternal nature of this moment and of eternal life, and to let illusions, meaning the body and the personality, step back as you let the Holy Spirit and Jesus step forward, and you live your days in service to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what he means by let illusions step back. He's just saying, don't, don't put the body as a goal. Don't worry about aging. Don't worry about the all the convenience and comforts, comforts of the body, which are very transitory, they're very temporary, give your mind, give your mind training efforts, give your heart and soul over to sharing the good news of eternal life. And as you teach it, you will learn it. You see, as you, as you teach it, as you speak it, as you share it, not just with your words, not just with your your actions, but with your attitude. With, with everyone that you meet and think of, let your attitude be joyful, be loving. Teach what you would learn. In fact, Jesus says in the Course, teach only love, for that is what you are. <laughs> but he's talking about teaching not just in the body, he's talking about with your state of mind. 
make your invulnerability manifest, teach the love, demonstrate the love. You know, that's why he said, if somebody smites you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. If somebody asks for your coat, offer him your cloak as well. Now that's generosity. <laughs> Can I borrow your ski cap? Yeah, here. And why don't you take my coat too? <laughs> because that's generosity. He's, he's teaching us to be generous because he wants us to learn to give as God gives. God doesn't give with any expectations. God doesn't give and expect something in return. Just God's essence is giving, giving, giving. So Jesus wants us to give as God gives so we can learn that we are a creation of God and always have been. So let's watch very carefully here because um, now Harry is still in the in the uh, ego's uh, fictional world, and now Balana is being uh, released, at least released from that, that scenario, because as we know, it's one dream. So you really don't get out <laughs> until you forgive it. <laughs> That's the only way you, you realize you were never in it. You don't really get out ever, because you were never in it. But while wow, you believe you're in it, <laughs> you believe you escape from it, by forgiving, by teaching the meaninglessness of the world and the, the, the reality of the love through your everyday actions, your everyday thoughts, your everyday emotions. That's how you free your mind from the ego. Okay, Harry is now uh, in the fictional world and Balana is going back to report to her captain, Captain Janeway. So, so there we have it again, Neelix. <laughs> Neelix is onto it. He's, again, Jesus is using Neelix. Maybe we should make them laugh. You know, Jesus is telling us that in the Course, the world will end in laughter because it is a place of sorrow. But Janeway is saying, maybe we need something more responsive to the clown's demands. That is not a strategy that is going to work because the clown is the ego. And if you're responsive to the ego's demands, it just means you believe in those demands and you believe in that ego. You see, that's why you do not uh, transcend the ego by giving in to the ego. It's a death wish. Why would you give your thoughts and your mind over to a death wish unless you were wanting to die? You see, that's if it's a death wish and you follow it. Um, basically, Jesus says in the Course, uh, basically that the ego is an example of a single example of a very poor teacher. Don't you love it when Jesus tells you that the ego is an example of, a, of an extremely poor teacher? He did, Jesus is saying, you have been poorly taught, meaning everything we have learned about this planet and time and space has been coming from the teacher of illusions, the teacher of death. And yet, the ego will use death of the body as a demand, as a fear, threat. Uh, basically, that's why he, the ego let Balana go. It's like, 
Oh, Harry, my best friend, beautiful little Harry. Now I've got you and, and you're my safety because, because about the fear of the body, the fear of the body dying. You know, there was a, a mystic that lived in uh, New England, the United States. Some of, has anybody ever heard of uh, Henry David Thoreau? He was a mystic who lived in the woods up there. Uh, he was a very simple guy. You know, basically his family was in the, the they had a career of, they were in the pencil making uh, career. That's what his family did. They made pencils. <laughs> now in the digital age, everyone's like, oh boy, <laughs> that's a rough one. <laughs> but basically he went out to live in the woods and, and Henry David Thoreau said, most people live lives of quiet desperation. That's what he said. And the desperation is trying to keep the body alive, trying not to die in form, and yet not being happy, not feeling fulfilled. He said people live lives of, most people live lives of quiet desperation. They, they're still trying to survive, but they're not happy about it. And they feel sad. And the ego is, is a sad idea. It's a sad belief. And to believe in the ego is where the sadness comes from. It's not coming from God. It's not coming from the Holy Spirit or Jesus. So the ego will always try to use the threat of the death of the body as a way of continuing to exist. Just like at the beginning when Balana said, but none of this is real. And the ego came right in and said, yeah, well, uh, I've already killed and I'm ready to kill more bodies. Uh, and then Harry succumbed to the ego's idea about killing bodies and, and said, oh, the, the two pods that were, had people that had died, you see, the ego is just wanting to generate evidence that will keep you from forgiving and keep you from releasing the belief in time and space. It's always trying to create, to make up and invent evidence to scare you, to scare you into not having faith in the Holy Spirit, to scare you into not being a miracle worker, to not letting the light shine through you. The ego is always going to use the body and the outcomes of the body that it's it scared from the past to make a dark future. <laughs> In fact, the ego wants you to have a dark past, a dark future, and a depressed present moment. <laughs> the ego wants you, it, it's doing a full, full court press. I guess it's the NCAA is going on now. The ego is doing a full court death press <laughs> to make sure that you don't get any kind of momentum of happiness or peace of mind going. It's going to try to shut you down before you have any chance of peace of mind. So let's watch how our main characters deal with this, because the ego has already said it knows everything, it knows everybody's thoughts, and it made the world. The ego proudly said, it's my world. And uh, the ego does not want any hope of escape 
from its death world. You know, it's it's made this world to be uh, foolproof so that everyone will continue to not know what's going on. But the only thing is that the ego's world is not God-proof. And the ego's world is not Holy Spirit-proof. And the ego's world is not Jesus-proof. <laughs> because they are the, the way, the truth, and the life, and the, that's the light. God is always trying to reach the mind with its wake-up impulses and wake-up cues. So here we go. Let's see uh, how things go for uh, Balana, the crew, and of course with Harry, who still uh, perceives himself as inside the ego's fictitious world. Okay. Now you're seeing what the ego will do to guard against the awakening. It will try to pull up the past and use the past to generate fear in the present moment and in the future. Because the ego needs the emotion of fear. The ego is the fear. And it's going to use the world to generate more fear. You know, it, it has to defend against the light. And it has to make the mind unaware of, of the true help that it has. In, in the spirit. So it's going to try to use everything in its game of form to keep the mind from learning to be confident in the spirit. Now, <clears throat> some of you have come through spirituality and, and you've heard the word affirmations, because a lot of people try to use affirmations, mantras, and you see what the ego does with the affirmations when uh, Harry starts quote, quoting the, the president, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt made a speech years ago in the time of Hitler and uh, basically said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Affirmations don't scare the ego. Uh, basically, uh, it, then it jumps to the Wizard of Oz and says, there's no place like home. The ego is basically poking fun at the words. Because as we, I told you earlier, the ego is not dispelled by words. And people sometimes put healing belief onto the words, but it's actually the forgiveness in the mind where you see the nothingness of the ego and you see the nothingness of the ego's belief system. That's where the healing occurs, not in the words. So. This is a pretty good little sequence showing that the value of affirmations only come when you have the faith, deep faith in what the words are, are extending. You have to actually have the deep faith in what you are sharing, not just think that the words will magically uh, free the mind. And, and Harry's trying that uh, in the middle of all this intense... Uh, you might say ego distortions of, of attack thoughts and, and memories of, of um, hurt and pain from the past. The ego is presenting all this, and this is just an opportunity. 
Meanwhile, Janeway was was told we can't we can't send in a person that could be turned into another hostage. So she basically said, yeah, we have to find a safer way to communicate. And so our doctor, <laughs> the android, <laughs> always use the android. <laughs> Data and uh, the doctor get used in a lot of ways because they're seen as neutral. They're not they're not described as organic life. <laughs> they're, they're described as robots, a machine. So again, Janeway is trying to be as practical as she can based on everything she believes. Uh, she's trying to communicate. In the end, though, what we're learning little by little is you, you can't really communicate with the ego. Why? It's a death wish. <laughs> there, there is no way to communicate with the ego. It, it's a death wish, and the only thing you can do is see its nothingness. You can dispel it with the Holy Spirit, but the ego and the Holy Spirit have no meeting point. Never the twain shall meet, because the Holy Spirit is light, and the ego is darkness, and perfect love cast out fear, but perfect love is not in communication with fear. <laughs> First of all, God didn't create fear. Why would God try to communicate with, with nothing? And I would ask everybody the same question, like, don't try to communicate with the ego, because you, you will just strengthen it through the belief that you can communicate with the ego. The ego wants to, to kind of lure you into uh, a fight, but you can't fight against it. You can't, uh, <clears throat> you can't humble it. You certainly can't punish it. Uh, you can't attack it. If you try to attack it, the ego will be laughing like this character, because uh, that just strengthens and reinforces the belief in it. So the only thing you can do is dispel it. And the way that you dispel it is by following the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Uh, that's the way that, that uh, error is, uh, is overcome and dispelled. It's through the guidance of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And that's why this mind training is so important, because that is the answer. That's always the answer is to, to step back and follow Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter what the perception is. When I first got into A Course in Miracles many years ago, I, I was working a job and uh, I was helping train a young man who was 18 years old. And I was studying the course and I was doing my lessons and I was working with the course and I was training this 18-year-old young man at a job. I was like a job coach. And, um, and then I, I noticed one particular night, it was Friday the 13th, and uh, it was a full moon. And I remember uh, working with this young man, and he, he had a weird thing seemed to be happening in his eyes. And um, and his voice would change, his voice would drop down like octaves, 
two or three octaves lower. And uh, I remember him looking at me that night and he just, in a low voice said, who do you think you are? <laughs> the voice said to me on Friday the 13th in a full moon. And um, it was a very interesting evening, but I do remember when I came home from that, I, I got, opened my Course in Miracles and I, I said to Jesus, I said, Jesus, what is happening here? <laughs> what, what is going on here? And I said, it's a little bit extreme. <laughs> I think this, is, I told Jesus, I think this is a little extreme. And I said, what is, what exactly is going on? And Jesus said very calmly, I'm showing you the outline of fear in your own heart. That was Jesus's answer. I'm showing you the outline of fear in your own heart. And that's kind of what Harry's going through now is because whatever we experience is just a reflection of what we believe. And whatever we believe is just a reflection of what we desire. So as long as we have fear, we will interpret the symbols and the images in a fearful way, because that's what the ego's plan is. The ego's plan is to use the world to scare us, to scare us, to keep us from waking up. You see, the ego is a death wish, so of course it's going to use the world in a way to try to scare us, to that we will be afraid of the light, that we would be afraid of the Holy Spirit, when really the Holy Spirit and Jesus are just there to help us. They're always there to help us. But it's showing you the schemes. This is showing you the schemes of the ego. And Harry uh, is going through a quite intense period right here with the ego, but uh, but Captain Janeway is, is going to send in the doctor to... Uh, <laughs> She's, she's always going to do the best that she can do to, to help her crew members, for sure. So let's see how it goes. <laughs> okay, this is good. This is good. Janeway's attempting to do everything she can based on she believes, but if we can't remove the hostages from the environment, she says maybe we can remove the environment from the hostages, deconstruct the artificial world piece by piece. Now, what did we just learn though from the first episode? That the dream is one dream. The dream is not a dream of pieces. This is one wacky, distorted dream of the ego. One, there's only one dream. And so the strategy to dismantle the ego or its world piece by piece must fail because there aren't piece by piece to dismantle. There, in fact, the world that the ego invented is not apart from the ego. It is the ego. The projected world and the inventor that made it up are the same belief. You see? You, you don't 
escape the ego piece by piece. If you escape 99.999%, you haven't escaped because the ego will use that 0.001 belief that you have in it to keep you from waking up. Jesus says in A Course in Miracles, this course will be believed entirely or not at all. Entirely or not at all. If people complain that the course is too uncompromising, no, that's, that's not a reason to complain. That's a reason to rejoice because there is no such thing as a partial awakening. There is no partial awakening from error. You either believe in the correction fully or you believe in the error. But you don't ever, it's not a matter of percentages. Now, this is important to remember because Jesus is telling us we have to have the faith to go all the way and really have full faith in the Holy Spirit here because if you try to make compromises with your practice of A Course in Miracles, or what he calls exceptions, like if you're doing lesson one and you say, nothing I see means anything, and you apply it to your dining room table, and you apply it to your shoes and sandals, and you apply it to what you see out the window, but if you get to that family photo album of your children or your mother, or your father, and you kind of bite your tongue, and then we'll skip over that one. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not the way that it works. I remember one time I was with Ken Wapnick and I was talking to, to with Ken and, and I do remember there was an, a, a trip that Ken took, Ken Wapnick took in the early years where he decided he was gonna go visit a group of nuns up in the, the wooded mountains. <laughs> he was gonna go visit a convent, a group of nuns. And he told Helen Shuckman, he said, well, I'll let you know how it goes. So he goes, <laughs> Ken goes to visit uh, the nuns and the nuns invited him. And the nuns were like saying, Ken, we're so glad you came. We're practicing uh, A Course in Miracles. And uh, they said, uh, we're practicing, we're on the early lessons. And so they said, we started to go around the, the sanctuary uh, where we, we were practicing with the pews, we were practicing with the, the different, the, the statues. Then we, we came to the Eucharist. <laughs> and of course they said, we skipped over the Eucharist. <laughs> the body of Christ. <laughs> they, they were not going to apply lesson number one <laughs> from A Course in Miracles because the whole theology of the Catholic system is, is based on, on the body of Christ. <laughs> if you don't have a body of Christ, then where do you get the sacrifice? Where do you do the, the, the penance? You know, how, did, how is he the sacrificial lamb saving all the other sinners? <laughs> with that body, you know, the little wafer that you have, that little, the, the drink the wine, the blood of Christ, the body. And so Ken was telling me the story because the nuns were basically Course in Miracles students as Catholics, 
and they just skipped over the Eucharist when it came to practicing the work of a lessons of a course in miracles, you see. And this is what I mean by non-compromising. Jesus is asking us to be non-compromising in our practice of his workbook lessons because he wants us to reach peace of mind. He wants us to transfer the training. He tells us at the beginning of the workbook, this will offer you a new way of looking at everyone and everything in the world. And, and the only two guidelines he gives for that workbook is is you you may you may not uh, believe in you may not even believe in these ideas but please practice them without exception practice the lessons do the do the lessons as i'm instructing you and try not to make any exceptions to the lessons as best you can you see why that's so important is because that transfer of training is for our mind to not buy into the ego and make any person, place, thing in this world more special than any other person, place, thing. That's part of the awakening process. So back to our little uh, Star Trek episode. Um, basically, Captain Janeway sent in uh, the doctor to negotiate with the ego. The only problem is, is you cannot negotiate with a death wish. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually not going to go well if you try to negotiate with a death wish, because the death wish has one purpose, is to exist as a death wish, to prove that death is real. How do you negotiate when the death wish has only one wish, to exist as a death wish? You don't. And that's why Jesus is saying, you can't really negotiate with the ego. You can only follow the Holy Spirit and make no exceptions in following the Holy Spirit and transfer the training in your mind to everything and everyone, like he says at the beginning of the workbook, because you cannot negotiate with it. Uh, also, Wesley, you, it was beautiful recently, you raised the question of rationality and logic. And, and what I would say, of course, for everyone here is that, that um, logic is, is just a, a system of thought that is cohesive, that goes together. But anybody who knows anything about rationality or logic knows that, that the entire system is based on your first premise. So if you have a faulty first premise, and you have a logical system that flows from that false premise and it's consistent, it still doesn't help you if your false premise is false. So logic isn't the problem. If you really read the Course, you'll see Jesus will say, reason would tell you. When Jesus says reason would tell you, he's saying the Holy Spirit will tell you. And the Holy Spirit is extremely reasonable. But the Holy Spirit starts with the premise that God is real, that you're the Christ, and that only love comes from love. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit's premise. You see, and that's the kind of guidance I want. I, I would like to hear guidance from that system. <laughs> but the ego is consistent in its logic, but it's a death wish. <laughs> so anything that the ego tells you 
is promoting death. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, it's, it's, it is a death wish. So logic is not the problem. I mean, I've been sharing the course, teaching the course for like 36 years. So I've 44 countries, I go to spiritual festivals, I go to mind, body, spirit festivals, consciousness festivals, all kinds of festivals. And the funny thing for me was in the early years, people would say things to me like, uh, get out of your head and get into your heart. And, and I would say, well, that's a bit dualistic. <laughs> what do you mean? And they would say, well, the head is logic and the heart is feelings. So you should abandon your logic and follow your feelings. And I said, well, I followed my feelings, actually. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a pretty ride. <laughs> was, uh, my face was wet with tears. <laughs> I followed my feelings, but sometimes your feelings can be lust. It can be, uh, you know, you, you want fame or fortune, or you want a certain outcome, and your feelings are saying, go for it, go for it. And then your logical mind may be saying something else. I said, no, no, it's, it's feelings don't go deep enough. And logic is just a, a, a cohesive system that really depends on the first premise. So uh, I'm not against logic. I just want the Holy Spirit to use the logic on my mind to help free me. You know, I studied philosophy and uh, Immanuel Kant and all the great philosophers, and I was, I, I thought uh, logic was wonderful if it, if it was used in a correct way. The body is another example. The body's not evil. The body is just neutral to the Holy Spirit. It's the use to which you put the body that, that counts. It's the purpose for the body that you have to be clear on. And the Holy Spirit will use the body as a communication device to help you wake up you know, to teach what you would learn. And that's it. But, but the, the purpose is so important. It's not taking things and trying to pit them against each other. Uh, I remember somebody said, the longest journey you ever take, David, is the, is the eight inches from your head to your heart. <laughs> And I said, well, what does that mean? <laughs> they said, well, you've got to get out of your logic and get into your, your heart. I said, well, I agree. Jesus said, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. But I, I don't think uh, logic is, is against waking up. I think it's the use of logic. <laughs> and I admit most of the logic of the world, of course, that we grow up with um, has false cause effect uh, relationships in it, you know, the, the whole world is linear false cause-effect relationships, so much, there's much misuse of logic by uh, by the ego, but, but here we see in this episode, Janeway, she's trying to do everything that she does in, in every episode, you know, if, if she's dealing with a situation where there's some kind of perceived attack or or captivity, or hostages, or threat, or emergency, or danger, she will try to use whatever she believes will work. And so at this point, she is trying to use the doctor 
to bargain with the ego. But Jesus is teaching us, you don't need to bargain with the ego. <laughs> there's, there's actually a, a good way to go about it, and that's to follow the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't involve bargaining, and it doesn't involve compromise. It just involves listen and follow. If you listen and follow, then you're safe. If you listen and don't follow, not the best. <laughs> or if you listen and delay and follow, again, not bad, not the best. <laughs> you use time as a compromise. You see, that's why it's so direct. Listen, follow. That's the whole point of the course is to open up your channel to the Holy Spirit and Jesus. That's You can throw the book away. Once you make that contact in a strong way, your, your time with the course is over. Because everything's about that intuitive connection. Everything's about your connection with with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, your intuitive voice. Once you make that contact, then you just, uh, you live and let live. You live a happy life. And of course, you welcome all the happy reflections of, of that living, of truly living in the Spirit. So here we go. We're, Janeway is going to show us what not to do <laughs> with fear. <laughs> what? Does fear seek? Mm -hmm. Interesting question from Captain Janeway. Uh, the doctor <clears throat> told, told her fear can provide pleasure. <clears throat> so that's one of them right there. But aside from that, it's like the belief that fear offers something that you want or need is the belief that protects it. You know, when she's talking about why do people take the safety off when they do the holodeck, or why do children like it when they go to a, a scary movie or something like that, there is a belief that's part of the human development, the human intelligence, uh, so to speak, which is basically saying, like she said earlier, that fear alerts you to danger. So it was she was speaking as if fear had a valuable contribution to make to you. <clears throat> but what, what that is, is that still related to the body, as if there's external fear, external things that you should be afraid of, and that the fear alerts you to the danger. But that is still based on a system of projection of, of fear. If you project your fear out to a tiger, or you project your fear out to a snake, <laughs> or you project your fear out to a tsunami, or to a hurricane or a blizzard, or to a nuclear uh, weapon being used, that's still the attempt to project the fear from your mind into the form, you see? So basically what Janeway is, is saying is she's saying that there seems to be a value to fear. Now the Holy Spirit, as you begin your mind training, the Holy Spirit will use contrast experiences because when the mind is so deeply asleep, it, it's just, it doesn't know what intuition is, it doesn't know what following guidance is, 
And you may have experiences that are rapid succession experiences where you have intense fear. And then you have a change of mind, a miracle. And, and literally the Holy Spirit is saying, see, this doesn't the miracle feel better? <laughs> doesn't, doesn't it feel better than the fear? And the mind at the beginning of the mind training is going to have to have these contrast experiences. But to say the Holy Spirit um, uses the emotion of fear is, is not correct. Fear comes from ego thoughts and fear comes from the ego belief system. Fear is not ever, ever, ever of the Holy Spirit. Uh, even when, when Christians will, will quote the Bible to me and they'll say, well, wait a minute, the Bible says, fear God and keep his commandments. And I say, well, that means be in awe of God. <laughs> it's not, that doesn't mean be afraid of God. God is the creator. God is pure love. Why, what, why be afraid of pure love? You see? But, but God is so vast and so spectacular and so great and so everything as the creator, all glory to God, that, that Jesus even says in the Course that when you feel awe, A-W-E, awe, that that is, that is an appropriate reaction in the presence of your creator. That means that when you wake up and you're in the presence of God, you're going to feel awe. <laughs> I mean, awe. Like, I mean, awesome. That not like the Ninja Turtles, everything is awesome, or the the, the movies that we showed. The it awesome is a word that gets tossed around a lot, but I'm talking about awe. Awe of the creator, like whoa. This is more than mega love. This is incomprehensible love. This is some of the Christian singers, they, they say, God is wild. God is wildly in love with me. And I can, I can see what they're trying to say because that's awe. When you feel awe with the presence of the creator. And, and Jesus says awe is not even an appropriate reaction to Jesus. You should not experience awe in the presence of your equal. <laughs> but in the presence of your creator, awe, you feel awe. Now, that's what, the, that's what it means in the Bible is, is fear God and keep his commandments. Be, always be in awe of a, of a, of a great God and, and keep the commandments, which is, you know, basically love, love God with all your heart, soul, and might, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'll just use the first two. <laughs> It's, the other ones are okay. Don't steal and don't commit adultery. And, you know, but really the first two, Jesus emphasized the first two. And that's where we get into this presence of awe in, in relationship to the creator. And another thing that people say about is that a lot of Christians praise God, praise God, praise God. Actually, that's, that's very appropriate. If, if you had the faintest clue about God, you would praise God. Uh, you would not stop. <laughs> it would go on all the time because you couldn't help but praise God. So that's what all the give all the glory to God means. Now, 
in this situation we're seeing here is, is you can't try to dismantle the ego in pieces. So while you may be able to pick up some very helpful things from astrology uh, or astronomy, maybe you pick up some valuable learning from your past life regressions. Maybe you start to realize that uh, you pick up some really good tips and pointers from numerology. Uh, all There's many different systems that are helpful in giving you reflections and, and bits and pieces of, of the main approach, but basically forgiveness is what sets you free. So anything that you're using that, that helps take you closer and deeper into forgiveness and realizing the power of your own mind and the power that you have to forgive illusions is helpful. Maybe even reincarnation was a belief system that helped strengthen your idea that no one gets turned away from God. Everyone makes it back home eventually. Whatever the systems are, those systems are just bits and pieces of, of coming to an experience with God. Now with Janeway here, you know, she's been trying to rescue the hostages, but actually we will see that you can't bargain with the ego, you can't compromise with the ego, you can't defeat the ego in some kind of a contest um, without making it real, because it sponsors the belief in competition. So if you think you're going to conquer it, <laughs> the ego is going to make sure that it uses your, your conquering urge <laughs> to make sure that you don't conquer it. <laughs> Uh, that's why you got to watch some, and sometimes Christians say, fight the good fight. Well, actually, you know, Jesus uh, came to, to show us the way of peace of mind and forgiveness. And, and it's not about fighting the ego, it's about recognizing the nothingness of the ego. But you do have to expose it. You have to expose every single unconscious belief. So we'll get back to it now as we go back. Um, Pretty much Janeway has exhausted a lot of methods <laughs> at this point. And uh, the last one just went down in fire <laughs> as, she, as she tried to uh, take apart the ego's environment, take apart the ego's world. You can only do that through forgiveness. You can't do it in pieces. You have to do it through complete forgiveness. So let's get back and see what happens next. How is this going to show us what really works? We've seen a lot of what doesn't work. We're, we're interested in what will work is, is for us. That's what, what's what our part is. <laughs> okay, there we go. So basically, I've shown this episode many, many times, and this time, when I was watching it this time, there's something that came out new to me, fresh, new again and again and again. And that's from the beginning, I've been watching that inside this artificial generated, computer generated world, when I was watching, I noticed 
I have a book called Unwind Your Mind Back to God with a Spiral. And there are so many unwind your mind symbols in this movie. I started to count, but I quit counting. I, I kept seeing them in the scenes. I see them on the floor of the generated world. I see them in the on the walls of the generated world, that even in the generated world, the symbols of release are everywhere that we choose to see them. I've watched this episode many times, but it wasn't till this time when I was like, my gosh, this is this whole generated world is loaded with unwind your mind symbols. I was just counting and counting all of them. So now the image of Janeway has now entered the, uh, the fictitious world. And, um, and I notice here, as we see our, our little uh, clown joker character, ego character, the ego is standing right in the middle of the floor, unwind your mind symbol. I see, I saw that too. He's standing right in the middle on the floor of the unwind your mind symbol. And Janeway is coming in. Now this, this is very much like Jesus, where people say, well, Jesus appeared, you know, 2000 years ago. That's a good word, appeared. Uh, the Christ is the, the divine presence, the, the Christ of creation of God. So, so in reality, the Christ does not enter into form because Jesus tells us, strictly speaking, you can't translate from one order to, the, to another. One order being eternal. Spirit is eternal. And he tells us over and over in the Course, you can't bring the truth into the illusion. You can only bring your illusions to the truth. Bring what you believe to be so to the light and the darkness will disappear. All the beliefs of the ego are dark. You bring them to the light, they disappear. Light is all there is. So Jesus was like a holograph or a representation of the Christ. And that's what was needed. Obviously, that's helpful uh, to, to bring these teachings. It's not so much that you really bring them to the world, but you bring your belief in the world to the presence inside your mind that you are, the I am presence, and then the world disappears. So you always bring the illusions to the truth. And this Janeway is using the, it's the same kind of uh, symbol, symbology of, uh, of Jesus coming to set the captives free. So here we go, unwind your mind. Uh, the, the ego is right in the middle <laughs> on the floor <laughs> and it doesn't know what's happening to it. Uh, it's just standing right on the unwind your mind symbol. And uh, let's see what happens here with Captain Janeway. Drat. <laughs> Drat. <laughs> That's the world will end in laughter. <laughs> the ego's final word, Drat. So <clears throat> I guess it's so amazing, so amazing of, of what the purpose of forgiveness is, is to experience yourself as the dreamer of the dream. 
because if you are the dreamer of the dream and there is no dream outside the mind, then, then there is no cause for fear. There is no cause for anger, blame, uh, depression, uh, guilt. Uh, there is no cause for the ego and there is no cause for the ego's emotions. It seems like quite a roller coaster ride by believing in the ego. It's like you're on a rainbow of, of emotions. But I think for me, what we've experienced today through these two uh, episodes, Star Trek episodes, it, it does come down to, particularly with the last one, uh, there's a question that Jesus asks the reader in, uh, in A Course in Miracles. And this is what the question is. Would you be host to God or hostage to the ego? That question seems to be the key to everything. Am I to be host to God? And Christ is a host to God. Christ welcomes God. Why would you not welcome your creator? <laughs> that's, that's not a difficult thing at all to be host to the creator, uh, the creator God, to be host to perfect love, to be host to spirit, to be host to eternal life. Uh, wow, that's a great thing to be host to eternal life. <laughs> what are you up to? I'm hosting eternal life. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, how's that feel for you? I'm in awe. I am in awe <laughs> of hosting eternal life. Or to be hostage to the ego. That's the alternative. If we choose to listen to the ego's voice, if we choose to follow the ego's beliefs, the ego's values, the ego's, quote, guidance, which is not really guidance at all, then the mind puts itself in a position where it feels afraid and it feels at the mercy of something. It feels, it feels like a hostage situation. Uh, if, if we're not host to God, then, then we seem to generate a feeling of being a prisoner. And this is quite a common experience in, in the human experience is to feel like, wow, I feel like somehow I'm, I'm a prisoner of something or I'm stuck with something. I don't feel the joy, I don't feel the glee, the happiness. That's simply from the mind choosing to prefer to be a hostage instead of a host to God, instead of to be the hostage to the ego. So really that, these two episodes really help help us start to open up to what this is already about. That the dream is just a single dream. Um, if the dream is a single dream, then that means I can quit comparing dreams. <laughs> nobody's any better and nobody's any worse. <laughs> uh, if somebody says to you, what do you think? Is the world getting worse or better? You say, neither. <laughs> it's it's a single dream, so it, it's not subject to better or worse. 
It's not subject to improvement or degradation. It's not subject to, uh, to time and to judgments and to opinions. Uh, it's just one dream. And if it's not a happy dream, then it must mean that a hostage dream or dream of judgment is preferred over a dream of non-judgment, which would be a dream of happiness. So I think, I think these two episodes and these uh, beautiful themes today have been so helpful for us because they're really helping us get clear about what the real depth and meaning of spirituality is. You know, it's, it's not a journey of sacrifice. It's not a journey where some win and others lose. It's not a journey where some gain and others uh, lose. It, it, it is a, it's, you might say it's win, 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 win. <laughs> it's win all the way across the board because it's one dream. And, and that one dream is, is a happy dream if we choose it, if we choose it to be that way. So, oh, wow, what another, what an interesting uh, Saturday. Just keep coming up with those themes. Wow, we never know. <laughs> but the Spirit always is giving us a great opportunity when we call out for, for help, when we shine our, our light and when we call out and say, help me, help me God, help me Lord, then the Spirit gives us what is most helpful to really receive it, to feel the love, to receive the love. So thank you. I love you all so dearly. I'm so glad we're all walking this together. One dream. And we've got our arms waving. We've got our love goggles out. And uh, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> these, these goggles are just showing one dream here. And, and to me, it's a very beautiful dream. It's a very happy dream. I'm so glad to see the witnesses. You all are such beautiful witnesses. So thank you. God bless you. And we'll turn it over to Pete and the rest of the day to shine your light, share your heart. <laughs> I love you. <laughs>